That's not a chip. What a scoop! Dink, dink, or inky, dink, or maybe fat dink. Tales from the East End, episode 168, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the prof, Carol Riley. Back in the same room again, Gary. In the flesh. Back in the lair. The the, the prisoners have been getting fed. <laughs> they had. I think they missed me, prof. <laughs> they missed you. They missed me. Yeah, fuck Zoom, and fuck the GAA. Jeez, I don't like Zoom at all. Now, Especially the dubs. Yes, that was a, it was a sucker punch, wasn't it? Right, small talk straight away. Rovers fans who follow the GAA... You know who we're talking about, there's plenty of you out there, and an argument, I'd say, more than a discussion, erupted midweek about this, and um, I'm on. I'm going I'm to say fuck GAA. I used to play it for years, but as you, you get into Rovers and then you realise what they did and what they tried to do, it's hard to have any love for them whatsoever. Straight into it this week, it's very, very hard to have any love for the GAA or any GAA club whatsoever. And there's plenty of Rovers fans out there who do go. Family traditions, they've been going for years and stuff like that. But I just don't, it's not for me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't actively follow another association that tried to murder our club that we love and we've fucking had blood, sweat and tears for. I think that's one way of saying it, isn't it? I actually just disliked them even before I got into Rovers, even before I found out the whole story. Yeah, I just had you no, are never a guy. No, just no never. interest. And no. then especially doing this documentary now and talking to people who were heavily involved. The blood is really starting to boil. But uh, even Celtic are okay by in comparison. Guys. <laughs> Celtic, yeah. Well, you said, well, yeah. fuck Celtic in the tank, prof. As, as Dave Carpenter says, the real six in a row was done in the 60s. Oh, yes, yes. But we talk about our sponsors really quickly. We have Ocean Electrical, of course. The electrical masterminds of Dublin and surrounding areas, of course, as well. So if you need anything done, please get in touch with them. Google them. The main man himself, Craig Mann, will look after you. He will attend to all your needs and of course we've got Leinster Credit when things aren't going your way and you need some money Leinster Credit they got your back <laughs> oh you're going with Barry, Barry White this week bro. we're going deep yeah check out Leinster Credit and all their schemes and um, yeah if you need anything of course let them know and check them out Leinster Credit and uh, Google them so um, that is it for our sponsors this week. Prof, we're going to talk about all our wins. We've got one in Albania and one in Drogheda in the past week and it's something of a talent special this episode. We've Mac Dara and we've Alan Manis take a look back at our last trip to Tala in 2011 and then we have Nat 
we talked about this before. What did we say we were going to call him? Nate Bruton. Nate Bruton. Go. Okay, Nate Bruton. Um, from the Estonian Football Podcast, he gives us some insight into Thursday's playoff round opponents against our old friends, Flora. So, another discussion that we were discussing the potential of how good these are and this is going to be no pushover no walkover prof so we need to be ready primed and not to underestimate these is a massive thing for me no like I said in the interview I think most fans see it as 50-50 it could go either way yeah it takes out bookies as well bookies have been changing gradually but I think it's mm. both 8-5 to five at the minute home or away so I think they have us at 1-2 to two to qualify which may be a bit uncomfortable it's I very uncomfortable I don't, like, I don't like looking at those odds don't like being favourites it's very uncomfortable yeah um but yes, yeah, so that was last and last week's show, Prof. We have the Tifties hotline went down a treat again. Yeah, it was, we were expecting rants about RTE, and we got a hell of a rant by Ed Sol, but not about RTE, just about basically anything other than Rovers. <laughs> he was having to go. Is Mick Bourne, uh, is he watching the, the league? Because he seems to think Sligo are going to run us close as well. In fairness, he recorded that before they lost the Harps. So it it sounded, so it was only five losses in a row. Then. Yeah, so <laughs> it kind it sounded stupid when it came out, but fairness, it was beforehand. But um, I don't think we had talked about it the week before, had we? That offer that RTE made to show our home game against Tuta if we moved it to five o'clock. Okay, so what were they going to yeah. use? I think someone someone on the hotline may have mentioned it. Bag of balls and a, and a, uh, a lot of bibs. But that's shocking, isn't it? Five. Like we have to look after our members and season league holders who. We need to get to the bleeding yeah. game. Exactly, yeah. And even now, 5 o'clock is probably a struggle for a lot of people to get to. Obviously, it's over hands. It's an away game. And mm. time difference makes makes the difference. But, like I said, four probs will be shown. Everybody's welcome down there. Um, and uh, we're doing our best to try and get everybody some sort of good view of the game. Even though it's like 5pm kickoff. Yeah, so Ed Saw was great. And the, I thought the other ring zender spoke very well. Uh, what, what, what was that chap's name again? Um, I'm sure he said it, but... Name. Stafford's cousin. Also, at the start of last week's show, we, we opened with that uh, audio described commentary for the two to go, where you had Barry saying, uh, I think robbers are out of ideas, and then 10 seconds later, the ball's in the back of the <laughs> Which is even funnier to me because I, I like to sit behind the two lads when I'm in the East End for the European games. You might think that's kind of strange listening to commentary of a game. I think it'd be deadly. But I actually quite enjoy it'd it. It'd be really cool, yeah. So I, I heard him say that at the time and I remember smiling. So you were watching it in real time. You were yeah. watching the game in real yeah. time and listening to the commentary in real time. And uh, afterwards, when I got home, I got a text from Phelan and he goes, I'm sorry for the worst fist bump of all time. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we scored, we went for a fist bump and we just totally missed each other. <laughs> It was so bad. I just remember thinking, please, no one record this. There has to be footage. (laughs) We're putting out an SOS. Has anybody got footage of the Phelan prof (laughs) fist bump fail? Oh, God. And I allowed Hogan. You're allowed Hogan's hand for high five now. Fist bumps are gone. Well, you certainly won't be doing them again. (laughs) Well, we're down to one metre now uh, next Thursday. So... It's getting very close. So I'll get to run around again. I'll get to run yeah. around even closer to people. Uh, yeah, so we beat Duita 2-0 in the Conference League second leg with the Elbasan in the Elbasan Arena in Albania, sweltering heat. And the team, Bradzer went with Danny over Borky. That was the only one, wasn't it? We weren't sure about. The only one, and he had a he had a cracking game. Um, Tommy Tommy said this, is it just me or is this Tuta stream jumpier than a Bose fan in Tumba? So we had uh, it, was, it was it was jumpy the first ten yeah. fifteen. Now we were split. We were in the four provinces, 
and the rest of the gang were in the IH in Ring's End. There was a couple of people spread out all over the place, but it was jumpy all around the general consensus. But other than that, we were yeah. happy enough. Yeah, I was happy enough. Uh, I think someone said 852 subscribers in the stream at one stage. It's a good figure. Definitely, um, yeah. Nice few quid. This Alba San Arima, as we, as you mentioned, it was like 100 kilometers, kilometers away from their actual home ground. So that resulted in not many home fans for them and quite a muted atmosphere in the game. Yeah, a couple of Rovers fans as well getting sneaking their way in. So big shout-outs to all the lads yeah. who made it. They were trekking across Europe anyway. Tommy Tarmy was there. He he uh, has a flag, and kind of sawn into it is like, uh, is it like a crest mm. of, or like the, the picture of every country he's been to, on his European. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that with Chef Ray. Very cool. Um, was, yeah, really good flag. So thirty-one degrees heat, Gar. It was. It was sweltering, sweltering, just as hot in the bar and the four probs as well. Do you seem to cope with well? You wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to tell based on the performance. No, no they weren't huffing and puffing. They weren't uh, breathing through their arse, and that was great. Garts, prof. Garts, you was your, your clean sheets. That I hope you credited you. Yeah. Good so. man, Garts. But yeah, no. So early chances. We Danny Volume Wine and Tell nearly got in on goal. So um, they 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 had a chance. They had a chance to score. Yeah, this was the best one. I was at 16 minutes. Jesus Christ. It was a super ball. It was perfect. Inch perfect. And as the, like, the ball just kept going closer and closer to the goal. I think he was six yards out at one stage. Mm-hmm. How he didn't bury that or even hit the target. I think it was Finner's man. Finner lost track of him. But uh, like you say, like the perfect ball in. Genuinely baffled that he didn't even get it on target. He made the balls of it. Really did screw it up, yeah. but we were we were really we started really well. It was a little bit yeah. iffy, like they they did try and play like that's. The f- At this stage, we we had been under a bit of pressure now, yeah, including that chance we just talked about. Although then next chance fell to us. Gaffney forced the goalkeeper, nearly forced the goalkeeper to, to put the ball onto his own post, so nearly a non goal there. Yep, and then a minute later came our goal, and uh, absolutely. Magical stuff from Mr. Scales as well. Uh, he got it in the middle of the park and he decides to set Gaffney free down the left hand side. And Gaffney had all the work in the world to do here down the left hand side. And he cuts in. And from this angle, I've said it plenty of times before, Gaffney is lethal from these acute angles. It was like Derry, wasn't it? He's unbelievable, yeah. He's brilliant from these angles, he really is. So he's, he's bearing down a goal from the left hand side. He's tight. And Prof, what are we going for? Are you thinking? Are we lobbing, are we chipping, are we oh, scooping? I'm dink all day on this one. Um, It's not a chip, because a chip is probably from a little further out, I'd imagine. It's not a lob. It's not a scoop, it's a dink. We have a couple of the lads weighing in on this in, in a moment, but... Um, it's a dink. Yeah, it's a dink. I'm happy with dink. But, um, yeah, this is, this is a brilliant goal. The defender is a bit sluggish. He seems to just sort of underestimate Gaffney, doesn't he? I think he just thought to himself, okay, there's no way this guy's going to score. Like, he underestimated his ability. But my God, what a finish. But still, the strength and the poise by, by Gaffney to just fly away from him mm-hmm. and bury it. So boozers all over Dublin were erupting. Four provinces erupted. Puddle everywhere. Great stuff. Much Great to the dismay of Staff and Mooner. yeah. <laughs> Um, so really so, happy with that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, like I said, a couple of people have weighed in on this. Uh, Paul McGrath, uh, he reckons a dink is when you hit the underneath of the ball 
and your foot stops immediately, no follow through motion. He says a scoop would be you lifting the ball with the top of your foot, nearly even your laces nearly rolling it up your yeah, foot. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. He says the chip would be hitting the ball over the keeper with a normal bit of contact, just a normal strike. Normally a bit of distance as well between mm-hmm. the keeper and the, and the player, yeah. And he reckons a lob is more lobbing the keeper when the ball is bouncing, so one-on-one and you've knocked I it over. I actually can't argue with any of that. Yeah. I don't think I can. Ray Whelan's more concise. Uh, what does he say here? Ray Whelan. Ray, Chef Ray, he said, McElhaney's was a scoop. No pullback, small follow-through. Chip is a full follow-through. Dink studs stop in the ground where the ball was. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then we have a lob. Kick underneath the ball immediately, pulling the leg back. I think the lob, yeah, the, the lob, I think, has to be bouncing for me. Yeah. Or even, I think it can be a volley as well, which would be very hard to execute, but the the chip, dink, lob, scoop debate rolls on again. I read a few reports of the game, and I saw chip, and I saw scoop in them. But we're saying dink. Definitely not a scoop. Yeah. Definitely not a scoop. A scoop would be Forrester in the 5-1. Oh, yeah. That's a scoop. One of a few scoops. That has Thanks for bringing that in. <laughs> yeah, so in the driving seat, Prof, and we are flying. So um, towards the f- end of the first half, getting a bit um, getting a bit needly in the middle of the park. Well, they had a couple of shots on goal, but didn't really trouble Big Al. Uh Danny actually had the ball on the net at one stage, but it was ruled out for a foul on the keeper. I think it was Watts, wasn't it? Was it no Gaffney? Was I think. it Gaffney? He'd no, yeah. he'd no reason to do it as well. He'd no reason mm. to foul the keeper there. It was absolutely pointless. Even then, there wasn't much contact, was there? No, but he did. He did. He impeded him. Like he, he mm. keeper gets any sort of like if the keeper gets touched or any sort of movement there, he's gonna go down. Yeah. Bit of security going in at one nil up and two nil on aggregate. So. Uh, no way goals like we said as usual so uh, start the second half bro. yeah second half we were um, well actually they had a little spell to start the second half didn't yeah. they uh, Grace put in a block uh, which was it was goal bound so it was, it was dangerous and uh, but still we were looking pretty confident yeah they never really they never really looked like they were going to tear us apart or you know shred us but um, definitely still had to be on our on our toes um, and the second goal second yeah. goal prof how another, good how good was Scales not a bit of magic your how man, good was he your man was uh, what's the what's Albanian cuisine I don't know goulash he was sent to the shop for a goul- <laughs> for a goulash anyway and uh, Scales just did him a little pass inside the pass back to him was at pace as go well go back to the beginning of this though this starts from an aimless ball from them in the far left corner yeah this so Scales is shielding the ball then he skips by him and charges and it turns into a chance for us I think it was a little 1-2 and then he gets the ball back in still a tough enough position out on the left hand side being pressured by their wing back or whoever it was and then the force line pass straight into Gaffney and Gaffney bears down there was no stopping him from that angle which we spoke about earlier mm. he's lethal from that angle and a super finish into the bottom corner gorgeous you got to use the word clinical here because that that was the argument against Gaffney all this time he's not clinical yeah like where did that come from look at those two finishes like where did that come from like that's well it came from the two games where you had shockers where he missed like six chances he's had two bad games basically all season he's on absolute fire now and um, the problem is that we lost those games as well that's why people came down hard but uh 
Yeah, so that was that was kind of the insurance goal, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was effectively game over then. Yeah, it was grand job then. After that, so happy enough. And sixty-two minutes, prof. It was just um, scrappy twenty minutes. Then after that, little bit, little bit messy. I think they started to put the foot in as well, but we made a couple of subs. Yeah. But it was it was just it was game over. Once once Gaffney got that, it was game over. They gave up basically. They didn't really didn't seem like they were even looking to score at that point. Yeah, so happy like you enough. say, they were just kind of kicking us. We picked up four yellows in the game. Berkey got one late on. He kind of squared up to the goalkeeper. So you're kind of you're annoyed by those sort of yellows. Yeah. Every manager is annoyed by those sort of yellows. The petulant yeah. ones, like a manager always says, if you get sent off, fucking make it worth it. Which I don't know if that works nowadays, but they don't get mm. sent off for melting or kicking a ball away or get a yellow or stupid yellows for that. You know what I mean? Especially in Europe, because you just need two when you're considering. Yeah, if, if like one gets another one, they could possibly be missing. If we do get into the group stages, so. You you can get away with being petulant three or four times in a thirty six game season. Yep. So that was it. Job done. And Shamrock Rovers, Scar, were now the only team left in Europe. Last only League team of Ireland team in Europe. European football, Scar. It's just it's not for everyone. <laughs> it's it's just not prof. Sometimes it's not. You know what I mean? Away, like playing away after Europe. It's not for everybody. You know, yeah. we seem to revel in it. But we've a quick turnaround, prof. We have Albania to Estonia in a week with Drogheda in between. So, uh, games are coming thick and fast. We have the squad for it though. We have the squad for it. We do. Especially now that the injuries have cleared up. But uh, I actually looked it up. Last time this happened, where we played our second leg away from home and then we played our first leg of the next round away from home. When do you think it was? Oh God. I knew it was, I knew it was a good while ago because it hasn't happened recently. 2012 well we only played one round in 2012 Akranis knocked us out so yeah, it was 2011 we, we got the nil nil draw in Tadden in the Champions League second leg and then we were away to Copenhagen eight days later so that's the last time we had such a quick turnaround of away games like that in Europe so we have it a bit early this time Prof but you've got the stats there's a mathematician a different kind of mathematician and a statistician. Stato! Stato! I have a lot of stats here. It's mostly, mostly Europe got to do with that game. Um, so we've won three European games in a row. That is the first. First one ever. First time ever. History of our club. Sure, we only went three unbeaten a couple of times Brads before this. Brads are breaking records again. And I think we mentioned the Bradger stats last week, didn't we? He's, he's now has the most games as manager, 17. He already had most wins. We talked about that before. He now has won the most ties, four. So he's beaten Michael O'Neill's record. So here's one you might not have thought of. That's, their, that's their biggest w- European win, as in winning margin, since Progress Niederkorn in 2015. Progress Niederkorn. My God. Yeah, and it's our biggest aggregate win, 3 0, also since 2015. And uh, just on that, actually, I mentioned to you before, Key and Cabinet is in the job. Remember the two Cabinets played in Luxembourg yeah, he's that time? Yeah, Celtic now. And um, he actually he, he left the job on Friday. It was just, it was just announced that he, he was moving on. But uh, yeah, I got talking to him a few months ago. Someone pointed out to me that, that, that he played for Rovers and asked him because I didn't recognise him. And uh, we were talking away about him playing in Europe in uh, in Luxembourg and all that. And then I said to him, sure, didn't you play more 
European games than league games that season. And he said, yeah. He said, I said, fed it on Twitter called Carl Riley tweeted. He knew I, the name. That, that I had played more European games than league games. That we just, I just stared at him for a few seconds. I'm covered. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was Keen. Nice chap. Lovely. Um, so, the home game, that, that was our first European clean sheet since 2017. Oh, so we kept two in the two legs. It was Al's first clean sheet in Europe since 2013 for St. Johnson. And four four clean sheets in a row in all competitions, which is which is nice. Oh, looking good, looking good, Prof. So uh won both legs of a European tie, also first time since 2017, Star It was our eighth European away win, and it was our 80th European goal. Whoa, Prof with the stats. Uh Gaffney with the brace. He's the fifth player to score two in Europe in one game, but only the second ever to do it away from home. Ho, ho, ho. Only Billy Dixon away to Spar Luxembourg in 1966. He had been the only Rovers player to score two goals in an away European match. And 2 0 was our biggest European away win since 1982. Fram Reykjavik. Fram Reykjavik, and that would have been the last win in the 80s, I reckon, Prof. Here, I'm giving you some stats. That's a four in a row team didn't win in Europe. That's true. Oh, Gar with the stats. Yep. Um, yeah, Gaffney's up to 11 goals now, our top scorer. This is something we actually have ignored all season. I've ignored all this all season. Uh, who our top scorer is. You probably just assumed it was Burke. It's something time, we don't you? really actually talk about on the chat and things like that. Like who has many of these goals to see and assists mm. as well. So if we can get the assist one as well, that'd be great. But we've 11 in all yeah. competitions from Gaffney. Yeah, Ray Senior was with us in the four provinces and he was like, he, he was quick to like, he was elbowing me. He was like, do you remember the start of the season, Prof? The Tifty's hotline. I tipped Gaffney to be top goal scorer. Oh. Good show. OG Ray, OG, OG Ray, Ray in show. the building. We were actually quite annoyed, weren't we, when, when he was subbed? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 something that, that fucking grinds my gears now. And now I can understand taking him off and you now he was benched for Drotter, but you want to keep him fresh and make sure he doesn't get injured, but he's on a hat trick in Europe and he could have got one, like he was he's yeah. well capable, so could have made history there. But uh, do you know as I bumped the tread that I've been talking about? Oh yeah, on Robert's did, yeah, and I hope it never leaves. I hope <laughs> no one ever deletes that. I got thing. a lot of likes actually. Just I just put the shifty eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, did you also hear Carl Shepherd talking on LOI Central? Talking uh, bollocks, absolute rubbish. I think he watches us stuff. That's the thing. So he's commenting without watching us, which is ridiculous talking about we don't have a forward who can stretch play and all this I mean have you watched this fella for the last two months unbelievable he's been absolutely unplayable so what a, yeah. what a player we have here in, in Rory Gaffney so that's yeah that was that always central Garrett but that's that's the end of the task by the way but as for the Friday I'm in live podcast with Liam Regan Gimarings. The prop is knocking us out of the park now. You, that you can, you're all gonna have to do that for forever now. There you go. A I'm, bit of flair in that one as well, prop. I'm a man of my word. I, I promised I would say his full name if Dale said Cole Morahioman. We're going full on football, friends. At this stage, we could possibly yeah. have a joint venture live show in the four provinces. You never know. Funny you mention that though. Both sets of fans coming in together. 
Oh, it could be on the cards. We're talking about us being friends, all right? But Dale said that he nearly chose Romers. He'll get did, did, did you hear last week's show? I didn't. He said that he nearly chose them because it would have kind of bookended with a childhood memory that he had. His first ever Arsenal game was against Ammonia, Nicosia. Oh. So he said if Rawers had drawn them, he would have gone to the game and that was it. We're nearly there. We're pushing them Rawers. over the line here, Prof. Yeah. But how would that work though? If if the two hosts are Rawers fans and we're also Rawers fans, are they then kind of a Rawers podcast? I'm going to push them over the line right are now. Are they rivals then though? Oh. Possibly. Do they continue? Could get tricky. Do yeah, yeah. <laughs> we officially have a rival independent podcast. We we have to sabotage them. We we, we that's all. It's all there. Yeah. Well, then we'll take over their fans <laughs> and use them. No. Well, here's here's what here's how we're gonna push them over. We are officially back, Prof. September third, the Tifty's bogies, the Tifty bogey bus is back, and we are officially inviting Liam Regan Gimarangs and Dermot McCarthy. On the bus. This yep. is gonna push him over the edge. We have two free seats just for these two. Two free seats sitting there for the two boys. We'll have bills are points in the bills are beforehand. Points in the bills are in the middle of it. Points on the the bus. Points everywhere, and we invite the two boys on tour of September. Harps away. One of our favorite trips. This is gonna push him right over the edge into the hoops. So yeah, there Dale, Dale, you can even try out some of these songs that you've been. Uh, You've been saying in on particular the, the Cole and Murray <laughs> I can't be honest. I can't see them being sung in the cell stand, but they do crack me up. I must <laughs> say, they crack me up. Yeah, just keep yeah. singing. I can't see one with Georgie Keddie's name in it being sung now. To be honest, Oh you never know. You never yeah. know. I mean, no, because he should be. He could be gone and all by then. Yeah, you mm. wanted to have longevity. Loves an old tune, doesn't he? He loves an old um, tune. Yeah. Yeah, they're twenty episodes in, and I'm loving it. Uh, still loving their. Um, this is the club. Thing, but yeah, I'm loving the digs that all the other fans are getting in as well, and I, I'm loving the fact that there's a lot of podcasts out there for just clubs. I didn't know about the Borst lads. Mm. Didn't know about I think Treaty have a podcast. I didn't know any about any of these, so it's good that they all have their own original podcasts. I think the Treaty podcast is just renamed from the old Limerick one. Yeah, which I have heard a couple of episodes from. We're pioneers, prof. We yeah. st- we started this trend, you know. Yeah, no, I love that segment. Except last week's one, lad. Sorry, I did fast forward. It's the only one I fast forwarded. Go on. Because it was Longford, and you know who it was, Gar. Oh my god! I don't need to say who it was. Sorry, I'm not sitting through that. <laughs> so I fast forwarded. <laughs> but what, yeah. was he? Technically, it's done dark as well. So that's just they didn't even ask him about that. Like, like it's it can't happen. <laughs> you can't support two teams in one league. How did Liam not ask him that? It's a shambles. Or sorry, how did Dale not get get right into that? I don't think he knew. Uh, they wouldn't have known. Is it? I don't think he known. Fuck, we missed mm. we missed the beat there. They they were also talking a couple of weeks ago about um, Sligo have a star on their crest, and Liam wasn't sure why, and he was saying if it's got to do with trophies, which is it's meant to be normally, yeah, yeah, was it like five or ten leagues or something? He was saying that that's embarrassing since they've only won what three or anything. Right. But funny enough, actually, as he was saying this, I knew what the star was for. For a weird reason, it was because I was out with a mate. Uh, it was on New Year's Day because his birthday happens to be on New Year's Day. So this would have been five, six years ago. 
and one of his mates brought along his girlfriend and she randomly started talking about Sligo Rovers and then she just said to me yeah the reason Sligo have a star on their crest is because of my granddad Johnny Shadder Shadder who came over to Ireland from India what? that's what it's for and I always remember that and, and has then, that been verified? yeah no way. So then the following week on the podcast, it was pointed out to him that's what it was for. That was just, it was just weird that I just happened to know that. But. Well, there you go. Yeah, so that's it. That's it for the Friday for Live section. And we have up next, Prof. We have McDara. From Tala to Talon. McDara Ferris, July 2011. The trip from Tala to Talon for this Rovers fan began with an early morning flight out of Dublin on Sunday. With various routes via Edinburgh, Liverpool, Copenhagen and Oslo, we chose the route with an eight-hour stopover in Luton Airport. There were a dozen or so Rovers fans making this flight option to Tallinn. With the 20-minute high-speed rail link into London closed for maintenance works, we didn't bother with the 90-minute bus ride into London, but settled for a five-minute taxi ride into Luton. As a self-confessed groundhopper, we took a stroll out to Kenilworth Road, home to Luton Town FC. I'm old enough to remember Luton playing in the top flight of English football with their plastic pitch and their ban on travelling fans. Let's just say that Luton, the town, the club and their ground has seen better days as they currently ply their trade in the Blue Square Conference. The ground on one side is like Richmond Park with the entrance through a gap in a terraced row of houses. A short stroll and a Sunday roast later, we make our way back to Luton Airport for our Ryanair flight to Tallinn. We get the chance that evening to sample the atmosphere of the main square in a quiet condition before the travelling hordes of Hoops fans descended on the square in the coming days. The Molly Malone Bar was the venue for those Rovers fans that had made the early trip out and there were some quiet Sunday evening drinks for Rovers fans, Rovers management and backroom team in attendance. Monday was an opportunity to see the wonderful Old Town in Tallinn, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Rather than any one particular church, building or site, the best bit about the old town is to stroll around the cobbled streets in what is one of the best preserved medieval towns in Northern Europe, well so says the rough guide to Estonia. The Shamrockovers team were also taking in the sights, with the temperatures up around 25 degrees, each had a bottle of water to keep hydrated. Speaking to Stephen Rice and Pat Sullivan that morning, Rice were saying that the heat might be a factor. The only other kit we have is black, the cotton one we wore in the Santa Cup final, said Rice, will be baking. Sullivan was looking forward to the change of playing in Europe. It's good to have a break, he said. In league games, you know the teams and what systems you're going to play. When you're playing higher level teams in Europe, you raise your game. The more we raise our game, it makes the club and us look better. They are good games to play in. The team had their pre-match training session at quarter to seven on Monday evening to match the kick-off time of the match set for Tuesday. A handful of Rovers fans made their way out to the Alacoque Arena which was a half an hour stroll from the old town. When Jim Magilton started the session, Michael O'Neill spent 15 minutes chatting with the Irish media, including SRFC TV, ahead of the game. He was quite upbeat about Rovers' prospect. I think we are well capable of scoring, that's the main thing, said O'Neill. We created a lot of chances last week, and we would like to start in a similar vein this time. Obviously, if we score, it puts us in a very strong position, and that's what we'll be hoping for. Coming back into the old town, we were drawn into the main square by the siren call of Shamrock Rovers fans singing. The arrival of more fans swelled the numbers in the square and swelled the coffers of the surrounding bars and restaurants. Fans arriving on match day 
when they opened the curtains in the morning, or some in the afternoon, were greeted by rain outside. All the fans were hoping for the rain to stop ahead of the match, as there was no roof on the away section. The players were certainly hoping for cooler conditions than the previous day, but maybe some rain. If it rains, it'll be a bonus, said Pat Sullivan. In the main square, they had kindly erected some fences for Rovers fans to hang their flags on, and also probably for the European Young Movement Forum that was setting up stage in the square. Talent locals and tourists alike were taking photos of the colourful Rovers supporters singing in the main square. There was no modernist-style march to the stadium, given the distance from the main square, so Muggs fans used the local taxi service or tram to get to the ground. Just over 400 Rovers fans made the trip from Tallaght to Tallinn, and they almost filled the bottom tier of one end of the ground. The sun had emerged, but thankfully for Rovers players, the temperature wasn't too uncomfortable, helped by the shadows stretching out across the pitch. As usual, the Hoops fans had brought a massive number of flags, and those were draped over the fence at the front. In attendance on the night was close to 2,000 football fans, which Flora would have been delighted with, given their average crowds are usually only one-tenth of that. Alan Manis, making his last appearance for the Hoops before moving to SPL side St. Johnson, was given a great reception by the Rovers fans as he took, took up his position in the first half, defending the goal in front of the Rovers supporters. As it turned out, Manis had very little to do in a game that Rovers pretty much dominated. Flora created very little, and McConnor McCormick patrolling in front of his back four. It allowed Chris Turner and Ronan Finn get forward to support Dean Kelly, Billy Denny, and Rovers captain Gary Twigg. Nil all at half time, and Rovers controlled the second half, creating a succession of corners and scoring opportunities. Kelly got in a number of shots, and Ken O'Man and Billy Denny headers were probably the two best chances in the game. Besides not scoring a deserved goal, the only other disappointment on the night was the fact that Turner picked up a yellow card, meaning he will miss next Wednesday's away leg in Copenhagen. This was something manager Michael O'Neill picked up on when talking on the touchline after the game. It's disappointing for Chris to miss the first leg next week. It's a blow to us because he's powerful in there and the system he gets forward a lot. No surprise that the Rovers fans were in full voice during the game and their singing reached a crescendo at full time. Players and fans celebrated together with many players throwing the jerseys into the crowd and happiest was the fan that Alan Manis carefully threw his jersey to before his teammates jumped on Manis on top of him in celebration after his final game. As the stadium emptied, Michael O'Neill spoke about the win. I'm delighted to get through. I thought we played excellently. To a man, we were excellent. The objective was to get through to Copenhagen and we've managed to do that. It's great for the club. It gives us four more European matches. The financial implications of that as well Everything is positive about tonight. Rovers fans returned to the main square post-match for some local beer and with some heading to taste some local food such as wild boar. The players also made an appearance. A group headed to the Depeche Mode bar off the main square that had been mentioned on the Rovers forum. The fans enjoyed the music which was quite appropriate for a band with album titles such as Ultra and Songs of Faith and Devotion. We couldn't decide if Personal Jesus was a song about Gary Twigg or maybe Christ Turner. Fans are now turning their attention to trying to get the time off work and the money together to get to Copenhagen for next week. With the Rovers team flying home through there, Michael O'Neill and Jim Magilton stayed on to see their opposition lose 1-0 to West Ham in a friendly before getting back to Dublin to help prepare the hoops for the next big challenge. See you in Copenhagen. So great stuff from McDara giving us his account of it. Well, this was the trip where there was Harry Krishnas and there was uh, sumo matches 
I think that was the floor. I think that was the talent trip. We weren't on it, but I think, we, yeah, that it was, was one of the most infamous ones, anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, I love love McDara's account. He's kind of paints a great picture of talent, doesn't he? Makes you want to go. He's interwoven the the scenes in the in the squ- town square with also like quotes from from Michael O'Neill and a couple of the players. So yeah, enjoyed that. So we're moving on. And we had beaten Drogheda 1-0 ahead in the game park on Sunday afternoon. Brazil made six changes. A small number of Rovers fans got into the game. So some cheeky chappies. All but Holmes registered to determine feckin'. <laughs> yeah, and money more. <laughs> see, see, they couldn't even sell 500 tickets. Like, there was still some left by the Saturday. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? It's bad, really. Mm. It's not great. But I'm ho- I'm hoping it improves. But, Jesus, it, it didn't it didn't look good. But we've no Lions for them, Prof, which was good enough because he's playing well. Manager Tim Clancy banned from the dugout. Um, yeah, they had Paul Crowley on commentary. Former hoop. I think he was he a striker. He was very complimentary to the hoops. Yeah. Very complimentary to the hoops. They spent most of the first half kind of licking their arse, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Loving it. Just keep going, lads. <laughs> Couldn't really, couldn't really hear Rovers fans. Uh, they they were moved to the away end, but I guess they weren't gonna make a huge racket, were they? No, it? no, should have yeah. just uh, getting back into the motion, getting back into yeah. the, the swing of things, getting into away games. First first away game in eighteen months for a lot of those people, wasn't it? Crazy, isn't it? Especially Rob Lavelle and his can. Yeah, he got a picture go. of. So we have uh, yeah first half prof three minutes in. Borky clipped the outside of the post with the keeper saves. Um, it was a good start, but it didn't it didn't get much better. To be honest, it was a scrappy, scrappy first half. And well, we yeah uh, we made a good. We were very dominant. I mean, yeah, that that chance with the post in the corner. We forced a couple of corners early on and a couple of shots. Uh, Hor clipped in a very good ball actually, but just didn't fall for us. And then the rebound kind of came out, and then Tell had a long range shot, which the keeper saved. But um. 21 minutes with uh, Danny Connor, which was very well worked. I like this. And this was gone. This was getting buried if it wasn't <laughs> blocked. Um, Imagine this went in. Walked into the back post, volley, straight off the bat, proper volley, and uh, blocked by the defender. Very brave of him as well because there's a lot of fucking venom on that. Nearly on the Pat Sullivan anniversary as well. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. That would have been great. We were very comfortable the first half. Like, we were finding openings. And uh, I thought we were good. At one stage, it looked like we're going to overwhelm these. But then. You know, you don't score. And then you're thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be one of those games where you have to just tire them out and be patient again. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like that at the time. But then 27 minutes, Deegan got a talk after having a go at Cabo. Um, Shy postman, apparently. <laughs> he, he got his inevitable yellow card at the start of the second half. Yeah, he was... Um, yeah, he, he, he actually sprayed a couple of decent balls around, but other than that, I, I think he's... What odds would he be actually for Rovers games to get a yellow card? He's well, that that was his eighth this season, so yeah, definitely. 100%. Why, why don't we do it every game? Isn't it, I'd say four to six is what you're looking at, or evens, even. You know, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's fifty fifty, isn't it? Yeah, their striker. Um, how do you, how do you pronounce the name? Oidiamo is it? Uh, yeah. If it's anything, if it's obviously it's the same as his brother. So Adiyamo is yeah. the way I knew his brother. So. Jordan Adiemo. He had some good duels with Pigo, but Pigo and Varnes came out on top. Pigo was brilliant in Virtually my opinion. Every time. He got yeah. my man of the match, Pigo. I thought he was excellent. And every time he got the ball, he advanced with it like a knight in shining armour, just advancing with the ball. <laughs> and it was it was really good. Um, delighted. So, good stuff for Pigo. 
And um, for what well, we got, 29 minutes probably, McCann with a, a good shot went wide as well. McCann just. He, he seems like he hasn't got the legs. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're we're a leggy team. We. You need you need to be able to run all day, and it just it just doesn't seem to have the legs, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you can see he has ability. You can see he's been a good player for years. I don't know. I don't know. If he, I mean, he's he's doing a job for us at the minute. But I don't know. Maybe Europe European football games would be more suited him if he has time to pick out those defense. Yeah. Defence spinning passes, but he just uh, kind of sat in front of our yeah. uh, three centre halves and just kind of knocked the ball around like a quarterback. But mm. um, no, I don't. I don't think he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be starting for me anyway. We move on anyway. Prof. Borky, he did a good shot and the keeper pushed it away. Did really well. So uh, going in, they're going in on top really in the first half and um, knocking on the door as usual. Yeah, the ref. The ref actually blew up a few seconds early for the, for the half time whistle. But um, yeah, second half was more of the same. Really, we were kind of all over the market. Pretty much all over them, yeah. And then came this goal. This goal was actually under underrated, and it went under the radar as well. Sixteen passes. I think there was only two players on the pitch not to touch the ball. Yeah, nine players involved. And um, fantastic bit of play, a wide and a super super ball in from was it Danny? Who Danny got the ball into Borky? Gorgeous, gorgeous little chip. Put him through, clean in, and Borky bet his man, and then a tap in for Greener, who nearly missed. <laughs> but he got ahead. He it just took a bobble. It looked like he nearly broke his ankle. I love the patience of this goal. We were just waiting for the right moment. That like that Danny pass to the Berkey. Yeah, that was the crucial one, wasn't it? They uh, they they just couldn't deal with it. It was too much for them, mm. and it was like it was a sucker punch really because they they hadn't mm. been playing terribly either. I thought your man, I think it was Calvin Phillips, played well for them. I thought he's a good little player. Um, other than that I mean it was just a waiting game like you said they, they had defended well in fairness their their game plan was basically to contain us wasn't yeah. it um, but it's hard when we're pushing and pushing and pushing yeah. and then you empty the bench and even better players are coming on as well so it must be really tough shout out as always to Aussie Nate every single time he has a go at Greener he scores yep that's it what did he say, what, what did he say? Get, I can't even remember get him out of club yeah <laughs> Fuck you, Matt. Um, yeah, so 69, prof. 69. We dial the chance for them, and he shot over. Um, this was a this was a snapshot, you could say, couldn't you? Mm. One of those that goes right on the top of your laces. If we went in, it would have been an absolute screamer. But we got away with that one, and then a minute later, penalty claimed by Jordan. And um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was a penalty. To be honest, now. Oh, this, is the, this is the handball one. No, no, never. That's, From Hoare. That's never No, never, never. It hit his side no. and he went down holding his side as well because it hit him that yeah. hard. That was a that was a fucking chancer of a of a penal decision. But then the corner came in as well, so they did a bit of momentum. Um McCann cleared it. So it was it was a little bit of a sketchy few minutes. Yeah. Well the whole last twenty minutes what wasn't good from us. No, we couldn't pass, couldn't string a fucking pass together at all. No, it was very sloppy in our passing. Uh, Brazzer in an interview afterwards said we were tired you know because of the effort from the team and the heat from three days earlier which is fair enough although not all 11 players were playing the full 90 minutes I suppose but yeah but we have to take everything into account like I think actually my wife was saying to me she was saying that so they got they played the match on the Thursday I was like yeah and then they came I'm not sure if they stayed the night on Thursday did they 
I think they might have, and then they came home on the Friday. But either way, they're flying and they're travelling, which can't tire you. So let's say they come home on the Friday. That's possibly a rest day, so they're resting. But then they're back training on the Saturday, probably a light session. And then they're back in on the Sunday again, playing a match. Mm-hmm. So there's not much room for rest there. So you can understand why he changed up and why they would have tired legs, you know. Then you have to go to Estonia in four days. Exactly. Or, or three days until the flight. And then you have to prepare again, yeah. But, um... Yeah, our, our, probably our only notable chance the last 20 minutes was a couple of minutes towards the end. Uh, they had a free kick and we actually hit them on the break. It was actually a very good move. And it ended up a greener with a chance. And he he dragged it wide. It was on his but right the, foot, I think, wasn't it? It was on his right yeah. foot, yeah. Greener, Greener has... This, this won't come as a surprise to anyone. Still closing down players in the last 10 minutes you see the, the way he closed them down with, though I know it's fucking scary with the same energy as if it's the first 10 minutes of the yeah, game yeah I'll give him that like Jesus Christ when he closes players down it's full tilt and he, he makes them he makes them make decisions you'd love to see it mm. it's great stuff so performances prof like I said Pico for me I thought Pico was excellent I thought Scales was a bit off the boil I thought he wasn't himself, which is the loud. He's been fantastic the last couple of games. Yeah, not not one of the better games. Danny Danny was pulling strings for me. I thought Danny did well. I just love his style of play. I thought Berkey was excellent. If I probably agree with you on Pigo. If not Pigo, then Burke. I love how uh, we have this plethora of players that can play well, and we like we can afford luxury and really good players to have an off day and still have other players who will step in and be fantastic. Yeah. You know what I mean. Watts was a bit off his game as well. Yeah. I thought Tell was good. He he was good in patches, I would say. He, he went quiet sometimes. Have you got the Tell stats? Did you see those Tell stats? Yep. Wow. We've won 9 out of 10 since he arrived. I'm telling you. I, I wasn't that excited for nothing. I've never been as excited <laughs> for a fucking fan, for a player to come in. Wow. We what? actually we did say it, didn't we? We said it a couple of months ago. This season has turned into before and after Tell. We said that and we were shitting ourselves saying it though. Yeah. We were saying, oh, will we say this? We don't want to go down that road. But he has been brilliant. He has been absolutely brilliant. And he, I reckon I reckon people are looking at his work rate and his effort and is thinking we have to match that now. Because the guy's a machine. Absolute machine of a bloke. Yeah, so still no European hangover guard. We've been winning these games. And these sort of games, they, they win your leagues, don't this they? This is a Bowles escrow, isn't it? This is how, this is <laughs> like beating Bowles all those times. Yeah, no, it is. It's like, essential. It's not pretty, but it. Who cares? Like it's no one will remember this game. Yeah, I think we've had we've had five one nil wins this season, if you include Europe, and uh, the two of the game. I like this quote from Steve Siri. He says it was one of those Michael O'Neill era wins. Move on and don't bother looking back at it. Yep, dirty scruffy one nil win out and dropped it. No, thank you. <laughs> and another star. I didn't say this earlier. I was saving it until now. We've won eight games in a row in all competitions. Now, you might be thinking, we've already done that recently, but no. We won eight league games in a row at the start of 2019, and we won ten league games in a row from 2019 to 20. But this is the first time we've done eight on the spin in all competitions since September 1987. Fuck off. So we are on our best winning run in 30 years yep 30 plus years Jesus that's a cracker of a stat started a fucking month there well done that's superb jeez but Brad, Brad I know that one 
He'll, he'll be informed. That deserves, that deserves a little text. <laughs> a little just, text. just thought I'd tell you, Stephen. Friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just on Tell, actually, Matty O'Dell pointed out that Tell has still only played 90 minutes once since he signed first. Yeah, because he's, he, he's just absolutely fabulous. And I have noticed that he, he gets subbed in every game. Best hair in football. Well, as you hear from Al, that 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 may have influenced Al uh, shaving of the head. I think so. I think yeah. he uh, and he goes right. I'm I'm out here. I'm not competing mm-hmm. with this. Absolutely yeah. fantastic head of hair on him. We have a fantastic record in Drogheda, don't we? Bar those two shocking ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A lot of good memories. A lot of good memories. Lobs, lobs. I always think of lobs mm-hmm. when I think of this. Lobs or scoops. Lobs. Oh, lobs. Scoops afterwards. But uh, yeah, we've won sixteen of our last eighteen trips to Drogheda. And those other two were those nightmare games under Bradzer. The league one in 2017 and the cup one in 2018. So we've won 16, 16. And the worst stat of the day, Gar. Oh, by a mile. Gar Brennan won the golden goal for the fourth time. The fourth time. And he won the, the sweep for the Euros. Honestly, when I saw this, I just went... Fuck off. Like, the odds, right? So, here's how the Golden Goal works. There's normally about 40 people in it, right? Let's say there's 30. If there's 30 people in it, everybody gets three minute slots, right? So, the the, the kitty's 150 quid. It's nice. It's an extra little incentive for the game, right? So, 150 quid. It's been well more than that. He won the bumper one as well. That was over 400, wasn't it? Oh, bastard. Right? So, um, we're, we're thinking, okay... How, how, what are the odds that he wins that four times? Like, it's 90 to 1, so 30 to 1 every time, am I right? Because you've got Tree's chance of winning. Either way, I'm probably getting it wrong, but it's a long shot. Because you, you're competing with 30 other blokes every single week. And he's won that four times. That's crazy. And he's just probably laughing. Like he's sitting say, there laughing. Like you say, and the sweep. If you add all that up, what is it, like five, 600 euro? Mm. So we've an extra added just, incentive for a golden goal this week. We've got I'm just a, picture him living in like a golden house, <laughs> yeah, a yacht, yeah. just wiping <laughs> his arse with money, flicking Play, it everywhere, playing badminton with his butler. <laughs> <laughs> we've an extra incentive as well to get people down to the four provs. We have a beer hamper, a very very generous one as well from our friends in the four provinces. So that'll be included in the golden goals. So if you want to get involved, DM us on Instagram. It is a uh, it's a nice few quid and a spot prize from the four provinces as well. Watching on the big screen, prof, looking good. We can't, can't wait for it. Points of puddle everywhere. But with Kieran Stafford as well, he said Gary Deegan being called a ship postman is probably the most random insult he'll ever get. Probably <laughs> is, in fairness. You're going to get me in trouble as well. Um, Jim Conroy happened to be on holidays in Laytown during this game. Lovely. Quinn Stanley. And um, he didn't go to the game. Because at the time we did, we assumed that wasn't an option you know, mm-hmm. when we booked a holiday. But I thought it was ridiculous that all this time Jim has not had the stream. And I, I've heard about this from a few, as you like to say, elder statesmen here. Yeah. It's crazy how some of them just, for whatever reason, maybe they're just not tech savvy. They're not on the LOI TV stream. This could easily be resolved by spending an hour with them. That's it. All it is is show them how to do it. Same with same with the, the WhatsApp. Like, imagine, mm. he'll be hosting YouTube videos and all next if you show him how to do that. You know what he's like? That's just it. It wasn't even that difficult. I set up an email from... I emailed the club 
I said, can you give me a voucher for the stream? Then I met Jim a half an hour before kickoff round the two of the game, set up for him, and boom. And then I texted him during the draft of the game. I said he enjoying the stream and he was loving it. Deadly. That is it. So any any technophobes out there, anyone that's struggling with technology, get in, get in touch with us. Yeah. And we'll sort out Prof is the new... Uh, I'm offering work. my services. That's it. <laughs> oh, matron. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And we brother. He said Liam Scales will move soon and he's definitely going to be involved in the first one, Florida Talent, away and hopefully the second. So the little details are being finalised for Scales to move on and uh, it's, a, it's a big blow. It's a big blow, but we wish him all the best, and let's hope he can uh, he can get us through this first leg. Yeah, uh, Celtic fans are get, apparently getting impatient on their farms. Um, also, some people, I don't think it's Celtic fans, is it? I think it's kind of uh, other League of Ireland clubs. They're suggesting that we're only so- or, um, Celtic are only signing him to boost funds for Desmond's pet Irish club. Where are these conspiracy <laughs> theories coming from? Like, that's what they are. They're like, oh, he's only transferred money from one account to another, and then, <laughs> like, we are our own club, you know. Like, he just owns a stake. Leave aside that he is one of the best players in the league. Yeah, absolutely mental. They're starting to take on now, Celtic as well, Prof. The young Japanese, the young Japanese fella. <laughs> he's actually very, very good. He's yeah. very good. No, but Celtic fans actually have embarrassed themselves the last couple of weeks. Talk, yeah. The way they've been talking about scales in the League of Ireland. But isn't that what nine years of dominating the league does to you, though? When you're over there and that's that's what happens. Like. If anything, scales is too good for them. Yes, there we go. That's what I think. I think it might not be done and dusted for Celtic. He could get a, a club higher than that, so, or better than that. But next up, Prof, we have uh, the big man, Big Bald Al, and it's Adam Alice. Okay, we're joined now by Ireland's number one, Adam Manis. Uh, Al, it's Monday evening here, so I believe you're heading out on uh, Wednesday morning to Tallinn. Yeah, we leave first thing on Wednesday, very early. And yourself and Finn are now all about Tallinn, of course, because you both played against Flora 10 years ago in the Champions League qualifiers. Roberts had just won the league for the first time since 1994, and the club had never played in the Champions League before in its current format, so... Do you remember that being a big deal for everybody at the time? No, I actually didn't didn't realise that until you just said there um, that it was the first time in the Champions League. Um, obviously, I remember us winning the league and then um, that was the first round against Flora. Um, myself and Fenner were obviously there and, and there was a young Sean Gannon, I think, as well, wasn't there? He was in the squad, yeah. I don't think he was playing yet, but... Yeah, yeah, he was there. Um, so, three of us were there. Um, long time ago, isn't it? But ten years now. So the first leg in Tala, uh, there was barely half an hour gone when uh, Craig Savez swiped at the ball in the corner of our box, but instead he took the legs of uh, Federico Jorgensen. So, Valerie Minkinen steps up. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, I just remember that I went to my left, and it probably wasn't. A great penalty um, from their point of view. If the keeper goes the right way, they're probably going to save it. It wasn't hit with a lot of power and it wasn't just right at the post. Um, but obviously happy to save it, keep it at nil-nil and um, keep us uh, in the game. Do you remember the stadium erupting because it was so early in the game and it was so important, wasn't it, that you saved that penalty? I just remember that it was in the first half. Um 
I hadn't seen it back since you know you'd, you'd obviously sent me the links there to to watch it again. So um, yeah, I just remember it being in the first half, and then um, we obviously scored in the first half, didn't we? We actually scored immediately afterwards with the the Chris Turner goal. So without that, I mean, things could have been so different, couldn't they? Without that, there's no Copenhagen, there's no Belgrade, and there's no group stages down the line. So it was crucial. Yeah, well, you never know how how things affect games. Obviously, goals affect games, and and ch- missed chances and taken chances both affect games. What happens afterwards? So who knows? But who knows what would happen if they had scored? But they didn't, and and we we scored, and then we we kept a clean sheet, and we done that away as well. So um, I remember we were, I thought we deserved to go through over the two games. Just on penalties, I was reading an interview you did with uh, McDerra Ferris recently, and you were talking about that Ilves marathon penalty shootout. How you were, you were kind of disappointed to concede so many penalties, even though. Ultimately, you did save one yourself and you stepped up to score like you were the hero. Uh, I know until Bratislava, you hadn't, it's been, it had been a while since you saved one in play. So I, I imagine you were the light with that. But it was interesting the way you look at penalties. You, you don't buy into the notion that there's no pressure on the goalkeeper to save it. It might surprise the average fan that as a goalkeeper, you actually feel a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I think... Probably people that will say there's no pressure on the goalkeeper. I've never played as a goalkeeper. I've never been in a shootout as a goalkeeper. Um, I think I know that people do say that there's no no response, uh, no pressure, no responsibility on the keeper. But say you go into a penalty shootout and you don't save any, and the other keeper saves three or whatever, and they win. Who do you think people are going to be looking at? One of, them, one of them's going to be the goal, goalkeeper saying, "Why did you not save three if the other keeper did?" So, um, it's just part of part of being a goalkeeper. I think it's just something you have to deal with. So you mentioned the second leg there. We travelled out to Estonia. Uh, Shane Robinson was actually playing in Finland at the time, and he did a bit of scouting for uh, Michael O'Neill, and he sent over a seventeen-page uh, dossier, I believe. So he spent hours in the video room. And the, the lads were giving him stick over that, but uh, a scoreless draw probably should have won the game. But uh, do you remember the performance? And do you remember being quite comfortable out there? I remember, I remember the game, but I don't remember either chance, either sides having any really good opportunities to score. Uh, I don't think they had any really um, any any shots. I don't can't remember any me having to make a save. So. Um, I can't remember us really having opportunities to score either. So as far as I remember, there wasn't a lot going on in the game. Um, but I remember us being still quite comfortable then, really, that even though it was nil each, there wasn't, we didn't have to, you know, defend a lot. And, and they probably didn't either. I remember me, uh, seeing Shane Robinson over there at the hotel as well. There's a great picture of you with your fist in the air in front of the Rowers partners in that stand uh, behind you. It was about 400 Hoops fans went over for the game, hanging out in the main square, and they still have very fond memories of that trip to uh, Tadden, certainly the social aspect. But when you, when you get the result as well, it means that much more to them, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the result was the main thing. Um, that's We wanted to get through, and we did. So that was the main thing, of course. Um you know, it's 
it's good to go on the European trips and, and play in the European games, but it, it obviously is a lot lot better winning the games. Obviously, in, in general, it's better to win the games than, than not. So um, probably the the biggest thing about the European games is, is winning the games when you feel that you, you should or you can win them. Um, obviously, last year we had AC Milan, and if you get beat by them, it's it's not as bad then if you get beat by someone who's kind of closer to your level where you kind of look back and think you know like the, the Cypriot team a couple of years ago maybe you're thinking you know we were so close you know what what could have been kind of thing but if it's AC Milan that beats you you kind of accept it away but they have a couple of good players in their team don't they so. and everyone knew at that stage that you were leaving for St. Johnson and that was to be your last game as a Rovers player just in your first spell thankfully you came back to us but uh you obviously felt it was too good an opportunity to turn down that stage of your career, but uh, how nice was it to go out on a high like that? Yeah, I was. You know, it was a hard decision for me at the time to what you know what what should I do? Should I take this opportunity that I've wanted all my life? I was twenty nine at the time, never had a chance to play in England or Scotland at that level. So something that had worked for for whatever fifteen years or whatever. Never had a any club offer me. Had a few trials and stuff, but never had a club say we'll we'll give you an opportunity here. Um, so something that I always wanted. Um, I still felt I could I could play at that level, and I, and I really wanted to prove to myself and to my family and people who who had backed me and believed in me that I could do it. Um, so, but at this as well, I was obviously very happy at Rovers, and and we were having a good season. We'd we'd won the league the year before. Um, played Juventus the year before and was enjoying my football and enjoying being part of that team and part of the squad and um, so it was it wasn't easy decision but I felt I needed to do it uh, um, I think it was the right thing to do as well even looking back now so um, I did want to leave on on a high in terms of good results and the club being in a good position it would have been ideal if I could have waited till the end of the season but Chances don't always work out that way, and sometimes you just have to take them. Um, you can't have everything. Uh, sometimes you just have to take what's best for at the time, and it, it might not be the best for every uh, situation that, that you're in, but you just have to sometimes go for it. And um, the, the club went on to win the league. I was obviously happy with that. The club went on to get into the European group stages. I was happy with that as well, obviously. Delighted for the, the team to do that. So, um, and I was I was happy with how things turned out for me as well. And I, I presume it was later that night, but uh, you arrived by yourself at the Monty Ballons bar, where you're absolutely mobbed by Rovers fans. I sent you the video earlier. So they were singing, they were thanking you, lots of hugging and kissing. Remember the days before COVID when you could do that. But uh, Jason Maloney and a mate, I see, hoisted you up on their shoulders, which I was impressed with. I don't know, maybe you were a lighter back then, but it was quite the send-off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was It was brilliant. Um, brilliant to be amongst all the supporters and, and having that happen to me. And, you know, in general, at my time at the club, even 10 years ago, the, the supporters would sing my name and it, it always meant a lot to me. It's, it's things like that that you miss whenever you do move on for whatever reason. And, I've been very fortunate. I've, I've played for three clubs and, and all three clubs. The supporters have been brilliant towards me and sang my name. And each time I've left them clubs, it, it was something that I was 
you know, I did miss and I knew I was going to miss that. So um, it does mean a lot to me that the supporters would do that for me. And um, if they're all happy, then, then I'm happy. And um, actually, out of curiosity, where were you watching the, the Belgrade game at the time? And what was your reaction to that famous save by, by Ryan Thompson? Obviously, I was just, you know, delighted for the for the club and uh, for the team and, and for Ryan himself. Just um, Ryan and myself got on really well together and I really enjoyed training alongside him. Um, very friendly person and, and really good goalkeeper. So we, I think we worked well together and uh, Tim Dalton was a, the goalkeeper coach at the time and I think we all worked well together. So, um, you know, I was I was delighted for Ryan, Ryan to to do so well and to be part of that winning team and um, and for the whole the whole squad all together, obviously. Um, very pleased for them and uh, it was great to see. So a decade later, Flora Tallinn is all that stands between Robbers in the group stages of uh, another European competition. So Flora kicked off that historic run back in 2011. You missed that one, but you might get a second chance now, Al, at the, the ripe old age of, of 39. So could it be a good omen? Well, we're, we're, I mean, it's, it's, it'll always be a tough game at this stage of the, the competition. You're not going to play against teams that aren't aren't good. Um, saying that we can be a good team as well, so it should be a good game, two games. Um, but we know that they're they're going to be good and they're going to be up for it. So we need to be up for it as well. Um, I'd love to obviously be involved in the group stages, and everybody would. But something I would love to do, obviously, before. I finished playing, so um, but we need to be ready for the game. Obviously, it's going to be tough. Was everyone buzzing on the way back after Albania because away wins for League Ireland clubs they're not too common? I think your other one for Rovers was Benalla Huda in 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, um, that was to get us uh, into the, the next stage to play against Juventus. Um, so that was quite, quite a game. It was um, Probably the warmest uh, temperature I would have I would have played, and I think the uh, the game against Slovan was warm, but I think the the game um, in Israel was warmer that that night. I remember at halftime, everybody going in and just going in under the showers and soaking their 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 kit while wearing it, obviously just to try and cool down a bit. So just so humid that night. Um, but uh, that was a great night. You know, I remember the, remember afterwards the celebrations in the changing room because we knew the draw was obviously before that game so we knew who we were getting um, now that we were through so there were some good celebrations in the changing room and then in the hotel after and knowing that we we got to play Juventus next um, so I've been fortunate to be part of nights like that um, it would be nice to add more to it Can you believe uh, Chiellini and Panucci they're still gone after, after all this time? Winning medals. Oh, they're just, yeah, they're just a couple of young lads, sure. They're <laughs> easy for them. Uh, no, uh, yeah, exactly. They're still he's still playing away, the, the two of them. And um, yeah, 10, 10 years ago, it was, uh, well, the Juventus game was 11 years ago, wasn't it? So, but 10 years ago since the Flora game, it's a long time, but it's, it has gone by quickly. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this week now. The first leg against uh, Tuta and Tata is probably your handiest night ever. <laughs> I think they've ventured into our half about like maybe once in the second half. Were you ever tempted to just have a nap? 
Yeah, well, the manager was sort of sending me afterwards as well. He wanted me to come in and train the next morning, but uh, that I didn't have a lot to do. But <laughs> I know that people people kind of joke about it and stuff. But it, you have to be careful. What I would have to be careful, should I say, what I say, because uh, it's very easy for us to dominate a game like that and um, just not be able to score, and then they catch us on the break in the last couple of minutes and, and score or get a deflected goal or get a penalty, and it, it's happened to me before. So. Um, it's uh, part of the, part of being a goalkeeper. You try and concentrate the whole way through, right until the very end. And uh, that was what was in my head, really, just making sure I was ready that if they they managed to catch us on the break for whatever reason, um, that I was going to be ready for it. Um, obviously, when you're you're chasing, trying to get a goal, you're pushing more men forward, and you're hitting shots, um, and you know we could hit a shot and it could get blocked, and just happen to come back out um, away from their goal and, and if they have people running then we could be in a, you know, a bad position having pushed forward so um, part of being a goalkeeper then just trying to concentrate for the, the whole game right until the end so uh, yeah people were sort of saying after about it you know not having anything to do I think I still covered more distance than, than Joey O'Brien and, and Dylan Watts but um, yeah you still have to make sure I concentrate until the end and it was an amazing story, wasn't it, for 17-year-old Idamo to score the last-minute winner? What was it like to watch from your end when that goal went in? Yeah, whenever Idamo was coming on, then I thought to myself, this could be perfect, um, perfect storyline for for us and for Idamo, um, because he's been in training with us for probably most of the year, if not all of the year, and he's he's impressed me a lot. Um, he scored quite a few goals against me in training let's put it like that and uh keep telling him he needs to hit it a bit closer to me because I've got no chance of saving them when they're they're hit like that so um but yeah it's it, I think it was set up for the perfect storyline for Idamo um and obviously the ball got played played across I think it was Danny wasn't it ran in um done a bit of, done a bit of his trickery and got in towards the byline and played it across um and then I could see obviously Idamo just running in and I was behind right in line with him behind him and I could, you know, put it into the, the roof of the net. So I was celebrating as much as everybody else. And, and then it was a case of, all right, let's get ready and defend again. Or let's get ready to defend so that we don't uh, um, let them back into it again. And one last question, and it's it's on shaving your head uh, a few weeks ago, as if you weren't intimidating enough for strikers, Al. But uh, what was the reaction of the lads in training and, also, could you not have shown poor Robert Goggins some consideration before he stuck your face on the cover of the program that same day with a full head of hair? Yeah, I noticed that. He said to me about that afterwards. But yeah, just the, I guess it was just the last couple of years, you know, I came to the, the realization I was just, I was never going to have her like Dylan Watts. So <laughs> I just thought, I'm going to have to shave this pretty soon. And then, and then obviously we signed Danny and that made it worse. And then, uh, and then when Richie came in, I was, I was a, that was the final straw. Then that was I thought I'm just going to have to get rid of it here. I can't compete with these 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 young lads with their hairstyles, so I just got rid of it then. And I've been uh, I've been mistaken for Joey a couple of times when I've been walking around the stadium with my mask on. So <laughs> <laughs> I think they're they're getting this mixed up. They see the, the bald head and the beard and behind the mask. So, but uh, uh, it's just just wanted to get rid of it. it was, it's been been a while in my head that I was just. Just fed up with the time to do it. So I've done it when it was sunny, so I would get a bit of a tan on it. 
think I can get a bit of a shine off it as well, maybe try and shine it in the reflection into the striker's eyes. So that was another tactic behind it. Do you think it's a coincidence that the clean sheets have been flowing ever since? <laughs> maybe there's something to it. Yeah, I should have should have done this at the start of the year. <laughs> um, it's, it's no, it's been been good to get back to keeping clean sheets again. Obviously, we we had a lot last year, um, and not not as many this year as we would have would have liked uh, up until recently. So it's good to get them get them going again, and um, it's uh, it can. You know, obviously, give you a big, big advantage to to go on and win the game if you don't concede. So, um, we'll try and keep things tight. Well, thanks for joining us, Al. Uh, best luck over in Estonia. Hope you bring back a good result for the hoops. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Alan Manas, probably you, you enlightened them during that uh, conversation as well. You you let them know that um, what was it? He didn't even know it was our first ever. First Champions League Champions game. League game under the banner of the Champions League. Yeah, we we had won the league in '94, but back then, because of the way the structure of the new Champions League worked, that only got us into the UEFA Cup. So we didn't play that season. So we hadn't played in the European Cup since 1987 until 2011. So, and um, yeah, so we're flying, prof. We're absolutely yeah. flying. We're and big Ali was great, wasn't he? Yeah, great to hear from Al. Um, I see you didn't inform him of your pre-penalty comment when we were in the Pines that time. <laughs> scary Garrett, man on Zoom. Garrett, he's very scary on Zoom. <laughs> he was on. He was on his phone, and it was just. It was right in there. You know what I mean? If I was there, I would have said, oh, "We have a quote from Carl Riley. <laughs> he's not even gonna go the right fucking way." So I'll. You don't go the right way anymore. <laughs> but um, a great interview, yeah. profile though. And did you know, Garrett, in the far provinces when Al took off his jersey to swap with the, the keeper and the ladies swooned? Everybody, everybody went, whoa. The ladies swooned and we were like, holy fuck. Looking at the points <laughs> and all the fucking peats in front of us going, oh God. We all just held our guts and said, mere mortals. Jim on Monday. Mere mortals compared to him. Yeah. But I'd never seen him when I was top off. I was thinking to myself, fuck me <laughs> fella is yeah. shredded and all the who bets on twitter he was nearly trending at this stage screenshot screenshot up up to the screen taking photos of him <laughs> I'm surprised he stopped Jerry to that clown of a goalkeeper oh yeah it was, was embarrassing actually wasn't it I was looking at him thinking this fella must have been injured more in 180 minutes than Al has been in his whole career mm. they all wanted what's his jersey as well apparently all the players yeah. Uh, so that was Big Al big thanks to Big Al and we Dan McDonald Prof an article Shamrock Rovers Vision now paying dividends so did you read that one? Uh, I didn't get a chance no I didn't read it Prof I am totally out of loop with everything lately I'm still coming back to real life after being locked away for 10 I'm going to get me see I'm back I'm back in work this week I'm back into my schedule back in podcasts back in real life so I'm, I'm happy enough I'll get back to normal soon well, it was similar. Do you remember my article in the Hoopsine a couple of weeks ago about I was quoting what Brazzer said on the Brazzer cast when he was in this room mm-hmm. at Christmas and he said there was meetings in UEFA about this new competition as far back as 2015 and they had to agree on it and they, like, you know, I vote for you, you vote for me, all that stuff. So Brazzer said that the club had been planning for this conference league 
years in advance. Jonathan Roach was talking about it as early as 2018. I remember a similar conversation yeah. going around the club about this and about us having to push on yeah. because it's going to be vital. And I remember oh, everybody gearing up for it and then it kind of just went away. Nobody started talking about it and then it actually came to fruition. And you're right. You're definitely right. So credit to the club. We, we've been thinking about not just this new competition but the champion's route. We knew that that was the key. And as as Dan O'Donnell says, paying dividends now. Yeah, definitely is. So great stuff. Prof, what are European results? Um, Bowles lost 2-0 away to Pauk. Um, miss of the century from Key Ward. Was he aiming for the corner flag, Gar? Hey. Good clearance. It was a good clearance. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, absolute miss of the century couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Oh, it was a shocking miss. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have took them through. Do you know what? I probably... I don't know if I was just so caught up in our own game, but I thought it was 3-0 at the time. It was. We did think it was because there yeah. was a goal and it was ruled out. And in the what? midst of all the points, we... I thought that goal was me- that chance was meaningless. It was only later on I found out it was 2-0. I think it was similar, actually. Yeah. And then it made it even better. Yeah, much better. It made it even better. But yeah, yeah no, it was terrible. Terrible stuff. And they actually had a couple of chances, in fairness. They they actually could yeah. have... Dundalk beaten 2-1 by Vitesse and Tala as well. No, they missed a big chance at the end as well. Yeah, big ones. Big ones at the end of the game. So, uh, like what we said, Prof, the only ones left in Europe. It's not for everybody. Yep. How's the song go, Gar? I think... Uh, are we going to sing it? We fucking we sang enough of it in the in the problems <laughs> anyway. But yes, sir, I can boogie. It was very annoying that week, but then afterwards, it's great. It's officially no. What what did we did we come up with a Gaffney one? I think it was Rory, Rory Gaffney. <laughs> da, 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 da. I think we have all the lyrics. We had something, but it's it's it could grow legs. We need better lyrics than da da works though. Do do is work. But going into that game. Um, away to poke it was only 24 hours beforehand and Gary just broke my heart because what happened was the Greek police announced that only people with Greek passports would be permitted into the stadium for the Pauk game and I felt so sorry for them Gary because having been told weeks ago by UEFA in no uncertain terms that no away fans are permitted into qualifying games Bose fans heard that went and booked their flights got their tickets spent their hard earned money bopping around in swimming pools some questionable behaviour with an infant then only to be told 24 hours before the game once again that away fans are not permitted into the ground what a kick in the teeth yeah prof I mean amateur hour at the amateur club like think about it Think about it. You are told you won't get in, and then they buy tickets, and they're told again you won't get in. Q outrage online. Mm-hmm. You are told you weren't going to get in multiple times. Why do you think Rovers aren't flooding? The here's here's my take on it. Right, here's my hot take. Europe is for the masses. There's no point in me and you going to Europe. No point in me and you flying out to Estonia. This is how I feel about it. Europe is for the masses. It's a joint stag party. Me and you going out and doing coverage on it. Fair enough, we could enjoy it. But I want to be part of the wider group. I want a part of the experience. I want everybody involved. I want to go to the game. I want 
the fucking stories after it. That is Europe away. Not going over with ten lads. No, I'm not knocking it. You can go on, on your little travels if you want, but it the makes real for, it makes for a, a funny story. Yeah, but I'm I'm fully in agreement. The with you real that, European yeah. experience, and I'm not knocking anyone else who went over because there was a couple of great lads that went over and enjoyed it. But the real European experience is having everybody, all the hardcore over, flooding the pubs, flooding the streets, walking to the game, getting escorts. That is Europe away, and I think. Other than that, I don't think I, I would go. You know, it has to be normal. It has to be has, that's how it has to be for me. But yeah, they uh, they fucked up. Amateur hour, amateur club. I thought it was hilarious that Bowes had to announce on Twitter that they wouldn't be allowed into the game and that they, they can't do it in the building. It's a Greek police decision. Well, it was made weeks ago. Stinks of a uh, of Lambert thinking. I'd say or whoever else was involved thinking. I'll get them in. That'd be grand. I'll, I'll look after. I'll get them in. You know that kind of fucking the cockiness of think of thinking that right. Well, our fans are over here. We'll get them in anyway. I'd say that was. I'd say that's what rubbed them up the wrong way, Pauk. They were like, okay, you've got forty fans over. Not getting in. We told you we weren't getting in. Simple as that. I heard up to two hundred went. Was that, that was that exaggerated? No, it looked it looked exaggerated anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Joe Logue, Joe Logue on Twitter. Bo's climate officer is out to. Bo's climate officer is delighted to announce that the club is set to cut out air travel for the rest of the season. So <laughs> saving on emissions, saving on air miles. Can we, can we have tweet of the year awards? Because that, that that's a contender. So Joe Log sticking the knife in and twisting. Uh, so yeah, so Bo's went for a swim, and they drowned, prof. Certainly did, girl. Uh, the yeah. Farnham Gypsies flag was robbed in Greece. <laughs> did you see how it was robbed? No. They were standing around in the streets and two lads flew by on a motorbike and just went, yoink! <laughs> Classic, man. They should know. You yeah. have to be on your P's. You have to be on your toes in these areas, man. We've experienced with that, don't we? Yeah, definitely, yeah. We sure, yeah. Mayhem in Bergen, but we got yeah. it back. We got it back. Actually, didn't Pauk steal the Rovers flag in 2011 as well? They, they, yeah, they robbed Fergus. Yeah. And then they hung it upside down on the ground and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fergus's yeah. flag, wasn't it? New York hoop. Mm. Um, I also love that Bowes fan that had booked Edinburgh before that game. <laughs> didn't didn't a couple of hours book? Uh, other no, was it us that booked a couple of places beforehand? Where were we due to play if we hadn't beaten Bratislava? Oh, Andorra. Andorra. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was Andorra. Yeah, because they thought they were going to go through because they were tuning it up. You'll be able. But um, I have something here actually. Do you know the way, uh, Mister Lambert, who you mentioned there. Nearly every tweet is about rowers. Well, he'll he'll tell you it's not. He'll say he never mentioned them, but it is. It is. In a roundabout way. In a roundabout way, there's always something about investors <laughs> or owners or whatever. Mm. We're we're fan on the blah blah blah. It was a great post by, by Ray Whedon, um last week and he goes he he being Lambert he knows the sugar daddy situation is the difference between first and fourth place hence the negative spin on that particular aspect every tweet he mentions Rovers is all about his own self interest and pushing his own agenda an agenda where being a football club that actually wins trophies is a secondary goal we as a club recognise the limits being a 100% fan owned club entails and voted to change this into what we are today. 
Finishing fourth shouldn't be a goal of any football club, no matter how many laptops get donated to Mountjoy. Once again, the voice of reason, and I just love, I just love him on the forum as well. Back in the day, just great, great stuff from Ray, and he just always puts people in their place. It's great. Um, yeah, but it's it just it makes no sense to me. I mean, imagine admitting, imagine your COO or whatever role that he, he holds admitting that they don't want to be successful as a club. They just want to exist and gradually just go a lot, go about their business. Surely, as a fan, you'd be disgusted. So you're like, how does the manager? How does the manager approach that? How does the manager feel when he gets when he hears that? He's saying, okay, so you don't think going to win trophies? Does he take that offensively, or does he take it as okay? Well, I don't. Does that less pressure on him then? Is he saying, well, I don't have to win trophies? Just pick up a paycheck. It's it's a dangerous road to go down for me. I don't. Well, we haven't a clue what Lambert and Long's relationship is like, but yeah. uh, basically, what it comes down to is can Long hold on to his players? They got a good win over Sligo there at the weekend. That. That win pretty much means they're going to get Europe again. Mm. Let's be honest. So they could they could kick on, but can they hold on to their best players? They're not going to hold on to them because there's currently a couple of deals on the table. There's unrest in that dressing room. I'm telling you now, there's unrest in that dressing room. As you room. say every there's week. There's a couple of players who aren't playing. Why aren't they playing? Who should be in that team? They're Danny Mandrew and a couple of players in there. Ooh. I'm telling you. There's a couple of Danny situations going on. We move on anyway, Prof, to other league results. and We've St. Pat's beat Waterford. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we caught up with Mark Bertram after the game. What the fuck you looking at? Get microphone on my boat race, you can't. You owe some, you mate. You fucking owe some, fucking ref. He's got an old Pete Tom. You fucking ain't got a Scooby-Doo. You can't. So upset with the five-game winning run being over then, Gary. Yeah, no, he's not happy. He's not <laughs> happy, yeah. Uh, he's not happy at all there. He's not happy with the ref anyway. Well, that game obviously most notable for the Lee Desmond incident. Jeez, yeah, he yeah, took a right L knock. Four very, stitches, I think. Very um, scary, wasn't it? The the seizure. What? Well, see why his arms went up when he was on the ground. Hmm. It was like it was zombie-like. It was, it, was, it was horrible. So we wish him all the best anyway. Yeah. Um, we long for losing 3-0 at home. Sean Boyd putting the icing on the cake, relegating the yeah. Culchy Bowls with a lovely he- downward header. Congrats to him. Great to see him back playing well. Good riddance. Good riddance and um, thing that Ollie Horgan sent off and a three 0 away with. <laughs> <laughs> of course oh. he was. Oh, we were super. What the fuck, like? Was he sitting on the fence again? No? Oh no, I don't know. Brilliant though. Uh, Bowls one 0 against Sligo. Sligo are on a slippery, slippery slope. And I, this see the thing is with Bucko's teams, this happens to him, doesn't it? With every team, he goes on a great run, and then it just fucking falls to shy. Well, he ends up scraping something back towards the end of the season with a bit yeah. of luck, maybe, but that's a terrible result. They've just imploded. That, that's six defeats in a row yeah. now. Do you remember when they thought they were going to win the league? Yeah. The, the fans. Do you remember Ever they, since then. Do you remember they were like tweeting us and like saying, oh, are we going to move three more points ahead of Roberts? Ever since they tweeted that, they've lost every it's match. Great, isn't it? You love to see it. Yeah. Just being their usual annoying selves anytime they get any bit of you know results together. We have 31 nil in Stone Dark Prof. Three points of third place. 23 points behind us. Third place? Let me just repeat that. Dundalk FC, who have the biggest wage bill in the league, are 23 points behind us in seventh place. It's madness, isn't it? But Derry are still 
See why I ignored that one there, Prof. You know, you've seen Derry coming up. They're creeping up there. They're <laughs> creeping up. They're starting to play well. They're getting into the third. I cannot wait to shove this. But the sun don't shine when they finish third. I the said they the would team. never finish third under Declan Devine. Ah, stop. <laughs> but the Dundalk thing is nuts, right? We we spoke about this as well, about the mercenary signings and the one-year deals and stuff like this. Name one of the signings that has worked out. Abibi's been terrible. Maybe the fullback from Lafayette. Netestad has been okay. Maybe I, I still I don't rate him. You know how I feel yeah. about him. Um, he's yeah, the fullback. The fullback is good. Yeah. Uh, little Korean boy. He's he hasn't. He scored once or twice. Hasn't been playing. Hasn't been lining up the league. They're not doing well as a team. But Therefore, like they signed another one. Signed a, another guy today. Uh, another two guys today. Just random. Scottish keeper and a yeah. forward. I think from Tunisia or Morocco. So now they have three senior keepers in the books. Just random signings out of nowhere. Nothing yeah. tried and trusted and it's not working for them. Even though earlier today in the podcast I was hearing that they're trimming down the squad. And their squad is actually thin, supposedly, now. And they've gotten two in anyway. And they, got, they got rid of the Norwegian striker. But they? they're losing They're losing their best player to Derry. And when mm. will he go? Is that towards the end of the season? I think so, yeah. If it's anywhere, if it's mid-season, mm. you can just bump them up a place, prof. Well, Jerry Malone says that Robbers will... Sign Duffy next season. So that's terrible news now because that means we're not signing Michael Duffy next you season. You had his his uh, sarcasm detector <laughs> bouncing around. Oh God! Yeah, but sure. Look, Eric. Do I detect sarcasm? <laughs> I know the word was denote. Denote. <laughs> denote. Yeah. But look, Eric. Seven place on dark. Vinny has stabilized them. Yep. That's isn't that what every podcast said last week? Mm-hmm. Vinny has stabilized them. He's got them going. Great job, Vinny. Go, Vinny. Actually interested... Yeah, yeah, Vinny in. Actually interested in his uh, record since he came back. I'm going to check that one out. But we... Kenny. They're looking at Kenny. Rumours of Kenny being touted for the Dundalk job again, which I don't think he would. it would be mad to go back to that fucking crazy shithole. Why would he leave? Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying. Like I read a couple of things about it, but obviously it's not the case. It won't be the case. But we move on, Prof. The person who said it wearing... uh a Batman mask <laughs> or a Tim on Twitter hat. with six fo- uh, followers yeah um, the GoFundMe to buy Stevie Lionx's 1978 FAO Cup medal so uh, get in touch with what can we do it's a GoFundMe so if you're looking for it check around we'll try and get the link we'll put it on our socials it's, after on, it's this. on Robert's chat it's been posted it's a on the Robert's chat there you go um, it's, it's 400 euro, none of it's euro pounds but um, that's the price but we may have to go over that to actually win the auction yeah so yeah, we've we've thrown a few quid in. A lot of people we know have already. So definitely, everybody throw in what you can. Yep, definitely with that. When we yeah. Gerd Muller, prof, he died at the weekend. Was there a, was there a Rovers connection there? Had we ever had a Rovers connection with Gerd Muller? Well, the reason I mentioned this is because um, Mick Kieran mentioned them in the nineteen sixty six cup winners tie. It was Muller who scored the winning goal from the throw in where the ball was moving. Knocked us out. Mm, so there we go. That was mother. So there is a connection. But our news from our old friends Brian in Norway. 12 of their players got drinking and had sex with women at the stadium and then ran across the pitch naked. So all Cotton Carmen and players are facing punishment. Uh, are, can we go back to Brian? <laughs> so, can we go back to Bergen? Sounds like a great club. Uh, and the thing, remember they were building apartments in the stadium as well. Mm. They were building student accommodation. And you can only get your season mm. ticket. You can only watch the game if you have a season ticket and then they bring across a shutter. And you can watch the game from your dorm. Does that cool. mean all the people in those student apartments were watching this happen? But probably cheering them on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So we've round up Vex Hoops news now. Prophecy Royce was appointed opposition analysis head scout for the Orla International Senior Team. What a job that would be. Roy, Stephen, you go and watch football. And come back and talk to us about it. What a job. Congrats to Stephen. I presume he's he's staying in his uh, Crystal Palace job as well. I think he left. He? I think he said goodbyes. I think he said goodbyes. Yeah, he said his goodbyes on on um, for on Twitter. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Great news for Roy, sir. Another step in the right direction. A great coach. Um, Aaron McInefroff came on, scored for Hearts. Nice left foot strike at Celtic Park on Sunday, and we only spoke about this when he signed. And we said the opportunity to go and play in these matches was was too hard to resist and too hard to turn down. And now he scored in Celtic Park in a three-two loss, albeit a loss, but still, you know what I mean. To score in the yeah. stadium, it'd be unbelievable. Big moment for him. Nice finish too. Very nice finish. Yeah, very Gavin or very. Uh, very McInef-esque. So we've got Bazunu Prof. Big Gav got 90 minutes on the clean sheet for Pompey at the weekend. And he is just improving and improving and improving. And the thing is, well, I was looking at, I think it was Trevor Chalaba for Chelsea. And he had played maybe four seasons on loan. And he finally got his game for Chelsea. I think he scored on his debut, his home league debut. So he'd been one of their, one of Chelsea's. Now I know a lot of people have had, had criticised Chelsea's youth setup, but... The way they bring players in, loan them out, loan them out. But this is a success story because he, I think he's 20 now. He's been on loan, maybe 21, 22. He's been on loan for all these years. Now he's in the team and he looks a player. So this is, that type of thing should really put Gav and his mindset and think, if I really play well and I continue on, I could end up playing for Man City. Like It's it's a yeah. big, big thing. Hopefully that's a springboard for him. Exactly, yeah. Uh, who else have we got? We Podge Armand went to Exeter on loan, Prof. Um... I think the boat has possibly sailed for him to come back to the hoops. Yeah, we always say this about Podge and uh, Owen Doyle. Doyle yeah. we, we don't want them coming back when they're 36. Yeah, which could be the case at this stage now, considering mm. Doyle has two years left and Podge is out at Exeter. So. And also on the lower leagues, MK Dons, they did appoint a new manager, Gareth. That's the end of that weird rumour. Yeah. And uh, one Thanks, thing, thanks Graham Barrett. One thing I forgot to mention last week was... Um, during that time when Brazzer was linked with the job, uh, someone sent me uh, screenshots of the MK Don's forum discussing Brazzer, like trying to, f- a couple of them were trying to find out a bit about him and about Rovers to see, you know, he's won a league in a cup, but what sort of league are we and stuff. One of them says, I think you can always tell a club's size by the activity on their forums. Shamrock Rovers must be a tiny club. <laughs> That's how you gauge it, is it? Yeah. For God's sake. So because we either don't have a farm or I think it actually did get get resurrected and there might be six people on it. Apparently if you don't have a fan's farm, you can't be a big club even though our Facebook chat has 1,500 people on it. This is this like bastard zombie club from Milton Keynes. Like, yeah. <laughs> cheek at him. Farms are old hat now, aren't they? Oh, I'd, I'd prefer them, but I really would prefer it if we. If I'd we still like to have an active one, yeah. Even Rovers chat, it's, it's not exactly a wealth of knowledge anymore, though, really, is it? Do the whole show on that, Gar. Yeah, right, so not Prof, underage with the Roadstone project. We have the 19s game and Derry postponed. 17s beat Pats 4 0 Roadstone. That's a big one. That's a big one, considering Pats have been a thorn on their side at 17 and 19s. Yeah. It's a big, big result. The, the, the women beat. Um, 17s they beat Bowles with the same score same venue and the 15s won 4-0 away to UCD and the 14s defeated the students 5 one at home so Garth's boys again he's working his magic flying yeah and congrats to our 2010 team 
winning the prestigious Belfast Youth Cup last weekend. That's a high-quality tournament held each year at Jordanstown University. So well done, boys. Well done, lads. Big shout out to all the young guys. And we'd have um, Lenny Morrissey, Rovers fan, former striker, former marksman himself. He was lethal back in his days. Young lad got player of the tournament. Big shout out to all these up-and-coming hoops, prof. We'll possibly be seeing them in the future. So that is the Roadstone project. But we have a little bit more top of Jose Mourinho's Roma prof. They are reported to be interested in Idamo and Maku. He turns 18 in January. So he's allowed to join a British club then according to the rules. I didn't know that. Now I know, as far as I know, he was contracted to 2022 with us. But um, mm. Roma come knocking. You have to listen, I think. Yeah, Zeffi has already shown. I think there's alternative routes now. Yep. Not just not just Britain now. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And... Um, yeah, just a couple of merch news, Gar. Our Love Robbers Hate Racism t-shirts. There was some, yeah, Are we going for the users? There was some. Uh, there was a spree of deliveries there, wasn't there, on Monday night? D12 particularly got hit, I D12 noticed. got hammered. And uh, I was rocking it at work today, Gar. I'm rocking it right now, in fact. It is very, very yeah. cool, isn't it? We are yeah. gonna, we're probably going to borrow the style, I'd say, for our own ones as well. Mm-hmm. And as for the, the official uh, merch in in the club shop, uh, get get use our uh, back to school merch, which use our backpacks and your gear bags and your boot bags and your gym bags and your wallets. Ten percent off to Friday the twenty seventh. Yes, sir. Twenty percent off if you mention tifties. <laughs> um. Right. So next up, prof, we have the Estonian football podcast, and it's good old Nate. Okay, we're joined now by Nate from the Estonian Football Podcast. So, Nate, tell us where you're from, where did your interest in Estonian football begin, and how did this podcast come about? I'm uh, from southwest England, um, in Somerset, um, near the town of Glastonbury, where the festival is. Um, we, me and my brother, we basically travelled out to Tallinn in, what was it, 2018? Uh, the winter of 2018, purely um, just for a holiday, um, decided to wander around, look at all the football stadiums and, and all that stuff. Ended up at the uh, Alakok Arena, the main national team stadium where Flora actually play. Um, and they had it in the club shop. They had a, a big display of all the uh, top flight team shirts. And so we thought, oh, they're pretty cool, you know. Uh, came home from... Tallinn kept an eye on the league um, you know you know remember them from the shirts and you know that kind of thing and yeah then it just got you know every single week checking it familiarizing ourselves with with all the players um, and then it was the start of this season we said should we should we do a podcast um, so, well, yeah we'll, we'll give it a go um, you know we make spreadsheets of all the games all the players all the statistics, um, yeah, and it's kind of gone a lot better than we thought it would. Do you talk to other mates about Estonian football? Do they think you're quite mad to be following such a small yeah, league? Uh, well, I used to work in um, in the bookies, um, and I used to get people asking me, um, what's the bet today? And I'd mention like some random Estonian team. I'd go, I think they're a good bet today. And they just look at me as if, yeah. <laughs> if I'm crazy yeah so Flora Tadden most successful club in Estonia can you tell us a bit about their history um 
obviously, like you say, the most successful club in, in Estonia. Um, very good side. Um, they've won the top of the last three league titles. Um, not sure if they'll get if they'll win it this year. Um, but yeah, Flora, great. Um, I love watching them play every time they're, they're playing. Hope I always hope I'm not working when they're playing. Um, exciting side to watch. Love to attack. Um, they've always loved to attack. Um, sure in the defence. Yeah, great side. Won a few cups. Um, as you probably expect, you know, most leagues. Uh, I don't think it's the most cups. I think Lavadia Tallinn hold the most, the, the record for the most Estonian cups. Um, but yeah, still a very successful side. Um, great to watch. I was looking, they've only failed to qualify for Europe once in 27 seasons. So that's incredible sort of consistency, isn't it? As for uh, their, their ground, it's uh, the Estonian National, National Stadium holds over 14,000 fans. Robert's fans have actually been there before, uh, 10 years ago in the Champions League. But uh, I was listening to one of your podcasts. You guys were saying that there was an 8,000 attendance for a Frankfurt game in the 2019 Europa League. But with COVID restrictions, what are the crowds like at the moment in uh, Estonia? Uh, it's a strange one. They keep, every time we read on about it, it keeps changing. Um, you know, the game currently playing now in, in Parnu, um, it's a negative test. You've got to get tested two hours before with the machines or a lateral flow kind of thing. Um, negative, in you go. Um there's no restriction, um, I believe, on attendances. Um, so they, you know, they don't, they don't sell out anyway. You know, it's normally is a few hundred there, especially in the Alakot, you know, a few hundred in a 14,000 seat and you can spread yourselves out. Um, but as far as restrictions go, I think it is just a negative test when you're in. Right. So Flora are the Ryan champions. They won by a huge margin last season, with only one defeat. Uh, not quite as good as Rovers. We went, we went the whole season unbeaten. But uh, this season's second in the league. We're 17 games into a 36-game season. They're 12 points behind Lavadia, albeit three games in hand. And they were beaten 1-0 by the team at the bottom of the table on Saturday. That was actually their first defeat of the campaign. So was that one a big shock? That was uh, a huge shock. Even with... Um... Flora tend to, when they have the European game, um, depending who they play at the weekend, they tend to rotate the squad. Um, when they played um, Ammonia um, a few weeks back, they had uh, Pida in the league, who are probably the third best team in Estonia. They actually did play a strong team against them. But we, me and my brother, we both said um, we'd expect a weak team against Curacao, which they did do. Um, but you would have still expected them to have won that game, even with the rotation. So, yeah, it's probably one of the biggest shocks of the season, yeah. And it, it could, I know it's still early to say, it probably could even cost them the league title. Well, uh, looking at the Flora squad, uh, now I said it's entirely made up of Estonian nationals compared to, say, the Vadia who have about half a dozen foreign players. And interesting one is 22-year-old Marcus Poom, born in Derby. He's actually the son of the former Derby Sunderland Arsenal goalkeeper, Mark Poom. He is. Um, we actually tip him to go to Europe soon and have a go with you know, probably Poland or something like that. Um, 
he's a good player. Enjoy watching him play. Um, yeah, he's a son of Mark Boom, so he's he's got the pedigree. Um, big big boots to fill. I know different positions, um, but Mark Boom's an Estonian legend. Um, so yeah, Marcus Boom's uh, midfielder, more of a how do you describe him? He he is kind of one. I wouldn't say holding midfielder, but I wouldn't say an attacking midfielder either. You know, he, he chips in with an assist here and there. He's not much of a goal scorer, um, but yeah, very very good player. And the top scorer is uh, Ronald Sapinen. He has twelve goals. He's their only ever present as well. He's played all seventeen league games. So, who are the players you think Roberts should watch out for? Who are the danger men? Danger, obviously, the, the player you just said, Sapinen, absolute goal machine. Um, he's had a few loan spells in Europe. Um, had a go in Holland, um, Slovakia. Um, didn't quite work out, um, but there are rumours he might even get a move to Poland. Polish teams are sniffing all over Estonia players at the minute. Um, yeah, he's he's the big danger. Um, I'd say the right-hand side, Um uh, Henrik Oyama, who started off at Derby County as well. He's had a few uh, teams in the UK, in Scotland and England. Um, and they have Lillander as the right back, very fast right back. Um, I think that would be where the danger would be, coming coming down the right-hand side. Um, depending who they play in midfield, I can imagine Vasiev um, will play. Old workhorse, 36 years old. Just controls the game it's his pace or no one's pace um, he probably won't last the full 90 but he's a brilliant player probably the best player in the team um, he's had a go in um, Europe as well um, centre back uh, Henrik Berg uh, brilliant player he's kind of he's only got two caps I think for Estonia um, he played against uh I said a shock win against Finland. Uh, he was outstanding in that game. He's just getting better and better and better. The, the true leader of um, of Flora, despite not being the captain. Um, if he's if he's on some, they're quite sure at the back. The goalkeeper's pretty good as well. Um, it's it's hard to pick a weakness. As like I said in, in our last podcast in the Ammonia um, preview, it's hard to pick a weakness in Flora. You know when they are. It's like picking a weakness in Man- Manchester City side, you know. It's, it's, um, but yeah, they've they've got some decent players. Um, Sergi Yzdenov as well, um, very experienced player, um, eighty plus caps for the national team. Um, they've got the danger men. It's you know, it's whether the it's the it's the experience of Europe. You know, they were one game away last year from Europa League group stage. Um, they lost, I think it was uh, Zagreb they lost to. Obviously, it was only one one leg because of... Um, so, I was actually hoping they'd beat uh, Amonia and they lost on penalties, didn't they? So, guaranteed group stage, then there's not an anything. So, it would be huge, absolutely huge for Estonian football. As for the manager, uh, Jorgen Hen, and honestly, Wikipedia link takes you to a bridge in yeah. North Carolina. So I'm hoping you can tell something yeah. about him because without Wiki, I'm helpless. But uh, I know I know he's a young manager in his early 30s. Uh, what formation and style of football do we, can we expect from him? 
uh, it's, it's starting to there's not much information on him. Obviously, living in England, there's trying to find information. We basically get our news sources from uh, SoccerNet, um, the, the main Estonian football thing. But like you say, when you click on Jürgen Hens, link on Wikipedia, it goes to that bridge. But yeah, he's thinking, I think he's 34. Um, he's been there a few years, very young, um, very young coaching staff in the whole of Flora. Um, even in the whole of Estonia, there's the trends now, young coaching, young management. Um, Flora tend to play 4-3-3, obviously four at the back, three centre mids, which will probably be Masuyev, Poom and I'll say Sumitz in in the midfield. And then um, Oyama, Zenyov and uh, Sapanen up front, uh, with Oyama, Zenyov on the wing, Sapanen up front by himself, so to speak. Expect the fullbacks to get forward uh, on the counter attacks, but I can imagine it, it's a tough game to call um, against Legia, against Armonia. I mean, I was saying they'd probably sit back, hit on the break, which is what they did. Um, I'd like to think they'd give it a go against Shamrock. Um, more attacking, especially the home game. Um, but we'll see. But it would definitely be a 4 3 3. What have you made of their uh, European campaign so far? Beating Hibernians of Malta 5 0 on aggregate, then going down to Legia Warsaw 3 1 over two legs. Legia was obviously a tough draw. And then they parachuted into the Conference League, beating on penalties by Amonia, having won 2 1 after extra time in the second leg. So, what have you made of it? I've been really impressed. Um, I was expecting the win against the Hibernians. Um, that was. Well, that, that would have been a disaster if they lost that. Um, Legia, the performance was outstanding. Um, they could, I think it was the first leg, they could have even probably nicked the win um, in that game. Um, a few dodgy refereeing calls, I think a penalty should have been given in that game as well. Um, and then Ammonia obviously beat them 2-1 at home, lost 1-0 in Cyprus. Um, again, there was chances missed in that game um, to go on and win it in regulation instead of going knock down penalties. But yeah, I've been very impressed. Um, I'll say I'll be very disappointed if there's no group stage football. Obviously, because of the circumstances, they lost to uh, Ammonia. Um, would have obviously if they won, they would have been guaranteed something. Um, so I, I think I'll be very disappointed if they don't get it but you know they've done Estonia proud you can even say the same obviously Lavadia had um, done Dolk didn't they um, and they gave him a good run um, I don't know what the standard between Shamrock and Dundalk um, is, it, is it very similar or well this season and last season we've been miles ahead of Dundalk in the league so I suppose given that Dundalk beat Lavadia on paper that's a good sign for for Shamrock Rovers and uh I don't think an Estonian club has made it to the group stage before. Am I right about that? No, they've never done it, which is why you know, we've been very excited with this, especially when the Conference League was formed. This, I think it's the best thing that could have happened for you know teams like Shamrock, teams like Flora, you know, have that European adventure. Um, yeah, but no team's ever qualified for you. Like I said Flora was one game away last year from Europa League. Um, and I think that is the closest 
apart from this season that an Estonian team has come. Yeah, Dundalk have done it twice and Rovers have done it once back in 2011. So have you managed to get a read on what Flora fans' expectations are in this tie? Do they reckon they'll beat Rovers or is it kind of 50-50? Yeah, it's, it's more of a 50-50 from, from what um, we've been reading and what we've been seeing. The whole of Estonia are behind them. It's kind of close-knit in Estonia with, with the clubs. You know, whenever teams are playing... All of the European events when Pida was in Europe, all the clubs were behind them. Um, one like, you know, LeBron, you know, Tottenham were playing, for example, Arsenal fans would be saying, oh, we hope you lose. Everyone was behind them. And I think it's the same now. Um, there'd be no shame if they lose. Um, but it, it, there is excitement. There is definitely huge excitement. You know, we, we, we feel like there's this huge chance um, and the draw could have been worse. No offence, but it, it could have been worse. So there is that optimism where, you know, we can actually do this. You mentioned a minute ago how you're kind of hoping Flora will, will go at Rovers. Uh, being at home on the first leg and there's no away goals rule anymore. I know Flora don't want to concede, but does that give Flora a bit of freedom to attack Rovers at home in the first game? I, I think so, yeah. Um, in the games against uh, Ammonia, they, they obviously they went and gave it a go and won. The game against Leisure Le at home, um, they gave it more of a go than they did away from home. Um, so I think the, the chance for Florida to win will be the home game. Um, I'm not saying they're going to score three or four goals, um, but definitely I think if they can score two goals, at home and keep Shamrock hopefully with none um, or low maybe one goal then every chance they're very they're very good at the back they, there has been instances this season though where the concentration levels have kind of dwindled a bit um, maybe down to complacency um, but they, they've been they've been very solid Defensively, even yeah, even against Legion Warsaw, even against Amonia, these bigger teams, they've they've kept kept the shape. They've they've been brilliant. So I, I don't see why not. Are you going to stick your neck out and give us a prediction? <laughs> I'm going to say um, a two-one win for the home game, and it would be a nil-nil away from home. <laughs> Interestingly, um, like Rovers have, have quite a rich history in Europe. 88 games we've played since 1957. This is the first time we've ever met the same team twice because we beat Flora in the 2011 Champions League uh, tight enough game, 1-0 in aggregate. And our goalkeeper and our captain actually played in it, Adam Manis and Ronald Finn. And looking at the Flora squad, uh, Aliku, he's the only surviving player that I noticed. So they'll be familiar with each other, even though it was obviously a very long time ago. Yeah, um, I did have a look at that. I wasn't actually aware they played each other, um, but I did have a did have a look. Yeah, and like you say, it was just um, Aluki who um, played that game. He's more of a not a fringe player. He's more of an impact sub nowadays. Um, Thirty-one years old now, um, but he's me and my brother always say a flora type. 
and you see him warming up on the sideline, you know there's a goal coming. It's, you know, he's just one of those players like Teddy Sheridan kind of thing, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, super sub. Um, yeah, but so you said there was you said there's two players surviving in the Shamrock. Yeah, we have two players who played in that match, yeah. Uh, Alan Manus and Ron Finn. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they might know how what's going to happen and how they're going to line up. Um, it's, it's an interesting game. It is a really interesting game. We, did you have a prediction for it, do you think? Uh, I'm a bit of an optimist. So I'm saying a win, yeah. I don't know about the scoreline, but uh, I, I fancy it to go through, yeah. Well, just before uh, the week before, we interviewed a, a chap from from Albania. That's the team we beat, and I asked him, <laughs> "What did the Albanians team expect?" And they, they fully expected to beat Rovers. So, I don't know if anyone's underestimating us, but uh, probably shouldn't. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I'm underestimating. Uh, underestimating um, I think a lot of people have done that with Flora this year as well. You know, they've come from Estonia in the, in the cover fishers, the Estonian league. Um, I think they've just moved up um, to about 50 or 49 in the UEFA cover fishers at 53, I think it is. Um, so obviously they see where the league is and they just think, oh, farm, well, Farmers League, you know, a bunch of shepherds playing against each other, that kind of thing. You know, the standard isn't great, I'll be, I'll be honest, but they're Flora and Lavadia, they aren't pushovers. You know, they will give a good game. Um, they've shown that already in, in Europe. And it, it will be a tough game. Yeah, I think from from Rawers fans' point of view, it's kind of a 50-50 as well. We, we, we took notice of that game against Amonia. And we saw how tight that was. So, yeah, we're, we're expecting a tough game as well. But uh, I suppose we're looking to make that breakthrough again. We haven't done it in 10 years. But, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, that's it, Nate. Uh, you can follow Estonian Football Podcast on Twitter. It's at Estonian FBP for all the latest. So uh, thanks very much for talking to us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Well, not to be confused with our our good friend, uh, Aussie Nate. He's Estonian, Nate. So probably filled you full of knowledge. Full of knowledge. Well, he's not even Estonian, is he? He's English. <laughs> he's... Um, we did this before, didn't we? With Thanos, he was Greek and he moved to Bratislava. In this case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate is still living at home in his, his native England, but uh, him and his brothers obsessed with the Estonian football. It's random, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How random was that? Well, trust the prof. This is this is prof's favourite time of year to delve deep into the, to the nether regions and find these people. Yeah, I also asked him who he supports in England. And uh, I wouldn't have guessed this one, Yeovil Town. Yeovil Town's good though, I like that, yeah. I like hearing that. Another green and white team, that's Rawers, Flora, Yeovil, all green and white. Paddy Madden play for them I think, that's what reminds me of that. When he said he went over in 2018, I, I actually thought he was going to say it was for the Super Cup final. Unless that's what it, what it was for though. Maybe, maybe Twitter. I don't think he said that though. But uh, the Super Cup final was held in the Adelaide Cock Arena. Oh, the one where we're going to be in prof, 17,000 yeah. capacity, I thought it'd be a little bit bigger, but nice little stadium. And um, yeah, because Flora, because we played Flora in 2011, we talked a bit about that in Tadatai in the book. And I put in this little story from Tadatai, which I had read from an old European football yearbook 
in the mid 90s and Flora are a government backed club so this explains this helps explain what happened here now right it's my cat meowing there it's coming smells blood vocal cords slashed not sure how to pronounce their league is it Maestra League Maestra League yeah let's go the Estonian League (laughs) (laughs) so this is this is the story of how Flora won the first of their nine Estonian titles. This is in nineteen ninety four, I think it was. So, three teams from the capital, Flora, Norma, and Tevalti, were leveled on points with just one match to go. As goal difference did not come into play, victories for all three would set up a three-way playoff. Jesus, but. 24 hours before kickoff, a decision came out of the blue by the Estonian FA to disqualify Tevaldi from the competition for alleged corruption. Alleged? Alleged corruption. <laughs> Flora and Norma both duly won their final games and went into a straight head to head playoff for the title. But the saga had not yet finished. Norma coached Valerie Bondarenko felt that Tavaldi had been hard done by and demonstrated his solidarity by sending out his youth team for the championship what? decider. The result was a foregone conclusion. Flora, with most of their side regular internationals, ran out comfortable 5-2 winners. Wow. Wow, you could write a book on that. That's brilliant stuff. Mental. Flora and Norman, it sounds like a rubbish rom-com, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Follow their adventures. They go find themselves. <laughs> Two divorced 40 somethings. So, Flora and Norma. Yeah, that's uh, so prof. Full of full of madness again, prof. Um, yeah, so that was good old day. And uh, yeah, so we're going to move on, prof. We are on starting 11th. Uh, predictions. <laughs> so, as usual, I have mine done here. Actually, have I? Yeah, no, I've actually gone. I've gone more so scribbles over the other side as well. So um, all I see is scribbles and asterisks. And it's very, it's very hard. It's very hard to pick. Is there symbols? <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's not even actually that hard to pick anymore because we're gonna go Manus. It has to be Bray, Grace, Pigo, and Joey because they're just brilliant at the moment. Kevin is a bit off form. So is Gannon. So the Rings End boys, you back to Rings End. He'd get the finger out. So we scales on the left. We got Finner on the right hand side. I'm liking Finner on the right hand side. I just Gannon doesn't do enough for me. Yeah, do you know it's that during draw the um, scales was centre back, wasn't he? And then throughout the game, you're kind of thinking, "Jeez, I wish he was he was left wing back here." It yeah, it didn't happen on the right hand side for us in draw either because Richie and Finn had a good a good thing going out there. Gannon, mm. it's just not clicking with him out that side. So even the Gannon horror combo, it wasn't great no it wasn't it wasn't great so I'm going to stick with Finn on the right and Scales on the left I think it's I think it's a formidable partnership on each side so Tell and Gary O'Neill in the middle what a partnership they've formed really looking forward to seeing them playing up top is where we struggle Prof Gaffney has to start he's been brilliant Watts has to start Borky or Danny that's the question Borky or Danny so it comes down to Borky had a good game against Drogheda Danny had a good game over there it's a very very tough decision and both are good to come off and give you an option off the bench Danny has been excellent coming off the bench and coming from playing oh it's tough Bork or Danny 
I think in his current form, and he's been quite petulant at the at the, at the moment as well. He might have. Oh, I don't know. I actually can't pick this one. I actually fancy Berkey to score in this game. So I'm gonna let I'm you pick. I'm gonna let you pick for Bowers. Pick for both. I'm leaning towards Bourke. I'm gonna go Bourke. That's the first. I'm gonna pick Bourke, right? I'm gonna pick Bourke, but Danny Danny deserves to be in there as well. But I think you're right as regards to Bourke scoring. I think there's a goal. There's a goal in him, and he's due a goal. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bourke. So it's Manus, Grace, Pico, Joey, Scales on the left, Finner on the right, Tell and Gary O'Neill forming that partnership in the middle. What? <coughs> What's Bourke and Gaffney? So that's it, Prof. Any changes for you? No, that was my team. Um, team. I'm, I'm saying a one all draw. Oh, I was thinking something similar. I was thinking something similar. I'm going to go 2-1 win. Gaffney to increase. is uh, Gaffney and Bork. Gaffney and Bork. And them to... I was checking out... They've, they've a good... They've all Estonians. So they've all Estonians. We're doing a little bit of homework on them. Every single player in the team is Estonian. They're 12 points off the top of you're, their own league. You're obviously listening to my interview, were you? Three, three games. I was doing my own homework properly. So three, three points or three games in hand, 12 points off the top. They're not to be underestimated. And this is what mm. has been the the pattern throughout the week is that they cannot be underestimated. They are a good team. There's plenty of plenty of other teams out there that that they can beat. Like it's not we can't fuck about with this. Which in fairness, we don't underestimate teams. We don't go out acting. Billy Big Bollocks so I'm um, yeah with, with Tilda we just we, we had a sense that we were better than them but we still had to beat them obviously yeah. but, but with Flora it, it feels a lot more even it this time it feels tough going into it even though yeah. we don't really know much about them as regards to their playing still but from what we've heard from lads who've been watching their games they're good and they can they can do damage so um, I, think, I think they have a centre back suspended actually I didn't, I didn't um, catch whose name it was uh, we have eight players on yellow cards, but they're all different, so no suspensions. Uh, Ronald Finn's had to play his 30th European game for Rovers. Mm-hmm. And his 46th overall, still never scored a European goal. And League of Ireland clubs have played Estonian clubs in 14 games. And this is an interesting one. The only one to lose is Bowes, and it got Stephen Kenny sacked. Oh, yes. In 2004. <laughs> Prof with the stats. So, uh, yeah, that is our start 11s and predictions. But it was announced during the week that both legs of this will be televised. So, 5pm kickoff, Irish time in Talent or Virgin Media 2 and Virgin Media Player. So, second leg in Talent is 7.45 on RTE 2. So, this week it's 5 o'clock this coming Thursday. The Four Provinces pub in Kimmage slash Crumlin. That is a different debate for a different day. But the Four Provinces are showing it on their big screen in the lounge and they served us last time. It was fantastic. They really were great hosts. Looked after us big time. So if you want to come on down, mention you're part of the Tifties crew <clears throat> and the Rovers boys and they will look after you. But definitely come down. Look forward to it. For Provs, points of Poddle, points of still loads of messing. So looking yeah, forward to it. It's a great spot at the back, isn't it? Big TV. Yeah, I can't wait. Massive, yeah. Um, as as Virgin announced that um, they televised the first leg, they said, you spoke, we listened. Not many people. A couple of people weren't happy <clears throat> with that now. Shut up, Virgin. <laughs> Listen, don't be saying that about Virgin, right? I know you're pals I'm of Virgin. Virgin. I know you returned to Gogglebox like the <laughs> media horror that you are. I'm not the only one at the minute, by the way. I don't, I don't want to use the, the word horror, but... Uh, oh, Siobhan Keane has jumped on permanent TSB. She's on permanent TSB ads. So... Uh, Is she on at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll Hashtag AIB. Yeah. 
AOB loyal, even though AOB are absolute shower of gangsters. <laughs> but um, just in the far probs, did you see Barry found an actual bear? Bear, Barry found. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maya's cubby. He was, he was, he found his true love and in true Barry fashion. <laughs> I get a text off the far probs gaffer. Who's Connor Foley? I have his wallet. <laughs> of course he does. Uh, of course he has his wallet. Oh, uh, he's brilliant. And I was thinking to myself, uh, how did you get home? Did you <laughs> taxi though? Did you not think? Uh, brilliant. So then we got we got the good news about the TV, and then we got the even better news about the antennas because you're looking at uh, twenty eight thousand in Kroger. And you're looking at us, still only one and a half thousand, and you're like, make this make sense. But then, thankfully, three and a half thousand for the second leg in Tala. Uh, another test event. It's down to one meter social distancing. So, uh, yeah, great news. Yeah, really, really happy with that. Excellent stuff. So, three and a half. Everybody jammed in, hopefully. Looking forward to it. Yeah, the emails went out on Tuesday morning. Uh, 20 euro ticket, sack the board. Etc. 22 euro <laughs> a ticket add the 2 euro charge and prof they Ooh. are going to be drinking Moet in the boardroom um, yeah they're really happy I've got my tickets absolutely chuffed considering I get dogs abuse for missing a couple of home European <laughs> games oh sorry well, hang on you gone <laughs> yeah are you, are you going there, to prof, a, a European home match I'm not going on my holidays I'm not going on <laughs> I'm not going to say the other word well, yeah so that's it 1 to 2 odds to go through prof I don't like that don't hmm. like that. Don't like being a favourite. No. Doesn't doesn't sit well with me, but oof, I don't know. Go Shamrocks. Go Shamrocks. The Bowls League game at home prof has been postponed, but FAI Cup tie at Daily Mount will go ahead on Sunday the 29th with a 4pm kickoff, so we'll have to think of a way. Hmm. The Des Kelly stand was getting demolished as if it didn't look like that already, but it's been taken down, the Des Kelly, and um, they're t- we're only talking about for refurbishment or something like that would you give it a break you're going to be playing in Tolka for the next 10 years yeah so we are back next Wednesday with our 10 year anniversary Belgrade flashback special and in memoriam with Rennie the legendary Rennie Michal O'Brolachan apologies uh, Fikra if I butchered your surname but yeah a legend absolute legend that he was so um, that is it we are going to see you hopefully in the four probs you can join us for a couple of points of puddle and uh yeah that is it and jet <laughs> jet which is keep on hooping who was the Meie maast idapool asub punane joon üle minna sealt keegi ei taha Seal on juutide võim, poolid trukkide roim, õige eeslane lüüad seal maha. Seal on põrgus, piinu on palju, igal sammul seal luuramas surm. Perehojad seal voolavad päeval kui öel, seal on jultunud roimarit Kremli müüride sees, musta vuntsiga mees, seal on rahvaste timu ka Stalin. Inim värtema jõi, palti riiketa sõi, paksu mao endal letteda kaanis. Ära küüdita paaremad pojad, ida 
Ikka veri, se tolita käy. 